Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 160 of SDGC for Thursday, September the 5th. Uh, I don't have my little scrawl in front of me, so whatever. I'm not going to read it <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't even I, I didn't have I didn't have to fucking think about. Well, you know what? We don't have time for that shit anyway because there is a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. As you can tell, I am. Uh, I've got the PAX Plague. Uh, I've, John Smith uh, from screaming about Super NES games on Switch. Probably, yes. yeah. Probably, yeah. No, like I, I feel like fucking shit. <laughs> I feel terrible. I've got a massive head cold. Um, I've, I didn't How? sleep last night. My nose is all stuffed up and my voice is hoarse. But uh, I'm here anyway because we have a lot of PAX impressions to talk about. And we've also got... Uh, Zach Skier's five impressions to talk about. And Zach is a Zach is a limited window. So what we're going to do is we are going to start with Zach and he's going to talk to us about uh, about Gears 5. We're going to ask him some questions and we're also going to take questions from the chat. I'll be monitoring the chat for questions for Zach because he can't see the chat right now. And uh, Zach, why don't we go and kick it off, dude? Yeah. Uh, so I've been playing Gears uh, 5 for like two or three days now, but I'm also... Um, maybe people who watch regularly will see this as a different room. I just moved into my first home, uh, and I'm getting married on Saturday, so He's I have not yes. had... Yes! Big congrats for Zach. Yeah, it's awesome, but also, I have not had time to play a lot of this video game yet. But I've played, like, uh, I think six or seven hours. I've been staying up, like, uh, we've been doing work on the house, and then I've been staying up till like, 2 a.m. every night to try to play a little bit more. Zach, oh my um, god. So, love to do it. I mean, I love Gears, so, uh, you know, it, it's been good to do it. Um, So... During a review period before the game is out, uh, playing things like the Horde mode, the Versus mode, and the new Escape mode are kind of limited because unless you have a friend who's also playing at that same time, there's not really an online population. So I've been doing a lot of the campaign, um, but thankfully that is uh, really fucking good again. Gears has a good campaign for the first time since 2011 or 2012 when Gears 3 came out. Uh, it feels like it took a lot of what's great about Gears 3, big open set pieces, and then also mixed that... Um, and maybe evolved a little bit uh, from what we would expect from like Uncharted 4 in terms of its open world hub areas where you can kind of go explore. Um, but it's been a good fucking video game. Um, does anybody have questions for me so we can kind of dive right into it? How I gay got... is it? How gay is it? It's apparently um, real gay. So I, well, again, it's I, trying to be. Yeah, well, it's progressive. I would say the game is progressive. Um, and I think that like, so I haven't had anything that's like overtly, overtly gay in it. I mean, there are some really, really interesting characters. Definitely the most diverse Gears game yet, but also it's the first one that I feel like is really making a big commentary on current events. Um, the original Gears, for people who don't know, was a big commentary on the Vietnam War. Um, that game uh, was in development for a long time, and so it went through several iterations. But then that the current events, and also just reflecting on American history um, and war history, uh, kind of stopped. But then with this game, uh, they deal a lot with um how people protest and how police respond to protest um and what it means to pull the trigger at civilians who are rioting oh wow uh, which is which is interesting to hear in a game that has a chainsaw gun in it might have a message i'm saying this game might have one politic it's got one a politic. Okay. One it's politic. got a politic. Are you trying to um, say that Gears did not start the hype machine by saying that there's no politics in their game? Yeah, yeah, they didn't. They didn't do that. It definitely has some politics going on, um, and it also isn't shying away from saying, "Hey, the white male lead that was a Aryan man with blue eyes in the last game. Hey, he sucks. 
And we're going to make sure we lean into that and make sure you know he's a piece of shit and we also know he's a piece of shit. Wow. Yeah, so the game is like, yeah, this last guy was actually cool with shooting at uh, rioters. How do you feel about that? Uh, and you, you play as, you're like the friends who are willing to call him out, um, which is really cool. Uh, I mean, one of the cool things about, you know, or let me walk that back. One of the things that I think we all have a responsibility to do, we're a progressive podcast, but one of the things we have a responsibility to do is when one of our friends slip up, we have to try to catch them and make them do better and call them out when they do things wrong. And Gears does that with its characters, which is, again, like, it's not even doing a lot. Like, Gears 5 isn't even doing a lot, but it's also just surprising. And maybe I'm giving it too much credit. Uh, you know, it is a game with a chainsaw gun. That's, but I mean, no, that sounds like it's come quite a long way from. I mean, yeah. I mean, just I, I think given the given the series, it is. I think it kind of stand, stands out more just because, like, the game has been kind of you know very. The games have been very campy and over the top and silly yeah. and oh, stuff. Yeah. So, like, the fact that there's you know a bit more you know thought behind it means yeah. a lot. Oh yeah, when people like so so you play as Kate. Kate is what's called an outsider. Uh, she which means she does not uh typically follow the rule of the cog, which is like the leading government in that region. Uh, so she's kind of an ostracized group. Uh, they are a racially diverse. The outsiders are racially diverse, but they are basically marginalized folks. Um, and the marginalized folks like outright call the cog who try to order them around fascists and like you read all these documentation that like actually sways you to believe that like yeah the government that you have you've been fighting for uh all of these gears games is really fucked up and they did a lot of torture and they did a lot of murder and they killed a lot of humans while they were fighting the locusts too so it's it's interesting like it's it's dealing with some stuff like it, and, and also and also hey it's a fun fucking video game where you get to shoot people and their heads go Pfft. Uh, Can I get that so, sound effect one more time, please? I, I saw an article that it's a good one. It might be the best looking game ever. Oh, I don't know about that, but okay, it's really okay. good. And it, I mean, let me put it this way: it's one of the best Unreal Engine games I've seen in a really that's long fair. time. Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, it's it's hard, right? Like, how do you compare something that has realistic bodies, like Uncharted Four, uh, to something where like the bodies are, you know, like they're not as bad as they used to be, but they're still like they're still big, bulky people <laughs> who don't have, like, you know what I mean? It's you still don't really, Campbell's chunky suit boys. Yeah, there's uh, it's it, it big boy season is forever happening uh, <laughs> for sure. Hashtag buff boys. Yeah. I got a question, Zach. No, no, no. Um, let's take Finn's first. Oh, did Finn have his hand up? Okay. And Imran asks, uh, are the enemies all robots again like four? Because he really hated that. So here's the thing. Coalition knows. Uh so no, no. Uh you fight I mean there are some variants. So right now the swarm, uh the only time you ever fight them is when the swarm has actually infected them with these things. And they they don't act the same way as they did uh back in the Gears 4 thing. So no no no. The game is like leaning hard into, hey, you're gonna shoot things with flesh and they're gonna bleed. Which is a gross thing to say. Uh but they do that. Uh so yeah, no, way less of of uh the DBs. I am listen, I like Gears of War a lot, so of course I read the, the book, but that bridges the gap between Gears. <laughs> four and gears five because i apparently needed to do that uh and they actually deal with like hey actually uh the robots which were made by baird people might remember him from the early season or series uh these robots were made by him and then the he made them for the government and the government armed them against really his will uh and so they deal with like how that happened but now now that you have kind of reconciled with your government they're no longer pursuing you they're on your side um and they're 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 mostly with you but they're not they're not um really in campaign missions um, they're definitely in the background now, and they're they're, they're kind of your support buddies. Like if you're in a tough conflict, you can call them in an air support, and they'll come drop with you. And and like this game has like minor combat choice where like somebody be like, hey, do you want some support? Do you want machine guns? Do you want rockets? And those those type of robots will come down and support. 
Um, but thankfully, no more killing robots. That was a long-winded answer to a very basic question. Sorry. <laughs> John, did you have something? Yeah, or, I've got yeah 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 I've got just a quick quick question. You said you were about seven or eight hours in, so it may be a little too early to gauge. Uh, but what were some of the things that you, that you had problems with in Gears Four, and has Gears Five rectified those so far, or is it still too early to tell? Well, so the thing about Gears Four, and like I think it succeeded at what it was doing. It just wasn't a satisfying thing to do. Uh, like Gears Four takes place over one single night. Um, and it's like the characters learning about the swarm coming back. And this game takes place over like, it feels like at least six months. Like I, I haven't finished it. And I feel like the six months have passed within various narrative beats. Uh, and so there's like passage of time, which also allows for like uh, greater things to happen in terms of world building. Uh, you learn a little bit more about the people around you. Um, and so it just feels like it's, it's grounded in a world rather than like, hey, here's a town next to a dam, uh, which was like basically all Gears 4 was. It just feels bigger, the scope. I mean, obviously, like, there's open-world hubs, like you would see it in Uncharted. Like, it is bigger physically, but it also just feels like there's um, not to the degree of control from Remedy, uh, but there are a ton of collectibles, way more than other Gears games, and they contextualize what's happening both local around you and then also some history uh, that flesh out what's happening in the world and also uh, who you are, and, and by fighting for the cog, what are you enabling? Um, yeah, I mean, it just... It just feels like it takes place in a world rather than, you know, a set piece like Gears 4 felt. Cool. Reb, Reb, did you have something? I had two extremely fast comments to make. One, cool. I give no shits whatsoever about Gears, but I love listening to how excited you are talking about yeah. it. I'm so yeah. happy it's making you happy. My second, my second, I guess this is a question. Is that your wedding haircut? It is. You look fucking good, man. Thank you, you do. That's Zach, all I got to say. You're oh. a handsome lad, Zach. Thank you. Does anybody have any other gear stuff? I could I could uh, talk about Justin has one. Yeah, Justin. Yeah, I got a question. I heard there's like side quests and stuff. Yeah. Um like Yeah, thank you. Um like how are those? How do they compare to like the main um main game content? Like uh what kind of rewards do they have? How well designed are they? That kind of stuff. I'm cur- I'm real I'm I'm always really curious about that because it seems like more and more like linear style games are dabbling with that sort of thing lately. Yeah, so I actually stumbled into like what felt like a pretty meaty piece of side content. Um, but there, there's several throughout. So there's like little things, which is like you stumble across a note in a campsite in one of the open areas, and it references where somebody's going next. And Kate's like, hey, these seem like young kids who were in trouble based on this note they left. We should go see to make sure they're okay. And you go from like point A to point B to point C to learn a little bit more about them, uh, which felt cool and interesting. I wouldn't say that's an expansive side thing, um, but it but additionally, like, there's, like, little... shooter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then additionally, like, there's, like, little computer scanners that you will find in, in parts of the world that will, like, let you Arkham-style, like, do a little mini game where you, like, try to pinpoint stuff on the map that are, like, question marks, and then you can go explore. Oh, cool. All right. I, I, always, I always like that kind of thing. But, but then there's also things that, like, I want to touch on. So Jack, for the first time, Jack is, like, a major character in this game. He acts like a slightly more... Um, uh, I wouldn't say he's as personable as Atreus from God of War, but he's a slightly more effective version that's a little bit more controllable. Is Jack like the robot buddy? Yes, he's your little, little robot bud, and you can equip him with things where like he can cloak you. So now there's stealth in Gears, which is weird. There's stealth now where you can like choose to do encounters or avoid them. So he can cloak you, he can give you extra health, uh, he can go in and shock people or freeze them. And so some of these side quest rewards often mean that you are getting like little points you can put into Jack's skill tree or they'll give him new bespoke abilities that are like special finds. Well, that's really cool. 
It's sick. Really cool. I like that. One last little minor thing you can find is instead of uh, in the old games, they would have like the Crimson Omen on the wall, and that would usually be where like a cog tag is, like a little collectible. Now there's a Crimson Omen, and you find a relic weapon, which are like the weapons in the game, but they're like a one of the kind version just for the campaign, and like they're like a special modified version. So like one of them is like this bolt action sniper rifle. If you hit the active reload with the relic, it'll load like two bullets instead of one. Oh, that's uh, which cool. Is, which yeah. is sick. Like, they're like little minor things, and like I would like. I wouldn't say that like you are playing incredible as good as campaign content with the side stuff, but like it doesn't feel like filler. It, it definitely feels more substantial than that. Nice, cool, Derek. <laughs> yeah, so um, there is kind of a limited availability of this franchise on PC, and I don't have any Xbox systems, so like I've always kind of been curious about getting into Gears of War, but I think only one in four so far, and and soon to be five are actually available yeah. on PC in any form. If is does five so far feel like it could be a jumping in point? Does it provide enough context for its story, or like, do I need to go back and play like one or four, or am I just screwed because two and three aren't available? Like, so that's a, so. Here's the thing: Gears Five tries to be so, so. There's two. There's two ways to answer this. One, Gears Five is incredibly like, uh, in terms of gameplay, Gears Five is by far the most approachable Gears I have played it feels like they're like gears of war has always had a really hardcore market especially for things like multiplayer this feels like the most approachable iteration on that in terms of narrative though i would say that four is probably a recommended playthrough in terms of what you need to know for the story it's okay. not nearly as good of a game that's the problem uh, when you boot the game up they do provide you uh with an opportunity to watch like a five minute recap of what happened in gears four but there are some details that you might so the original trilogy is not as much of a sweat, but like if I want to play five and I do care about trying to get into the narrative because like, wow, it sounds like there's more going on with this series that I thought. I thought it was just big muscle men shoot bugs. But yeah, um, so I mean, like, so they are like, hey, they're like, I will say that they delve into the history of of the locust, which are the core. So so in Gears 4 and 5, you fight characters called the Swarm, which are kind of like an evolution of the locust that you fought in 1 through 3. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this will contextualize, hey, where do those come from? Uh, and, and does some of that. But I wouldn't say that like you should, if you haven't played Gears 3, uh, you shouldn't play this. But I will say that if you play Gears 2, this game leans hard into Gears 2 themes. And so going so far as like using its theme music sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so so I, 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 could, I could jump in with 4 conceivably and, and be kind of caught up narratively and play 5. Put, and Yeah, if you put it in casual, you could probably breeze through Gears 4 in like 5 or 6 hours. Okay. All right, um, but but uh, indeed, gonna, uh, you go ahead. I was going to jump in real quick. Um, just on that note, uh, I did. I asked the exact same question to our good friend Sam Tolbert, uh, and the way he described it to me was, um, Gears Four is almost like a prologue. Like it's a yeah. nice setup for Gears Five, even though Gears Five is its own story. It puts a lot of the pieces in place. But yeah, like Zach said, he said the same thing. Like one to three is good backstory because this gets into that. But like four is the one. Like you would be okay jumping in with four and you could probably fill in the gaps yourself. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to follow that up with a real quick question. Cause I don't have a camera and I haven't been able to put my hand up and then I know John's waiting. Um, no, so Zach, ahead, I just want to ask, um, you talked a lot about narrative environments, atmosphere, visuals, all that stuff. Uh, but you haven't touched too much mechanically. Like I know series like gears and like halo and fours are like, these have a very specific feel to them. And I know they don't want to mess with that too much, but what would you say? Like, are there any significant improvements or is it just more of like a quality of life improvement across across the board in terms of 
mechanically speaking, right? Like the cover systems, the shooting, the the gun, the hit feedback, stuff like that. Sure. So this is like the there's a couple of ways. First, this is like the first gears that actually has like legit. Re- like I don't know how much you've how fam- how recently you've played gears, but typically you there really isn't like if you're shooting the lance or the machine gun, it really doesn't go like this. I, this is not <laughs> good. This is not good radio for me to do the gesture. Uh, <laughs> typically, typically your crosshair stays in one spot when you're playing, uh, you know, gears one through four. In gears five, like the, the guns jump around a lot, and you actually have to control that. Uh, bigger than that, I would say in terms of combat, like one, like I said, there's stealth now. But two, like you can avoid conflict in some areas. Like you can, like um. So so one of the few times you actually do have to fight the robots, uh, they're like in a sleeping mode, and you can just walk around behind them and yank their batteries out in a stealth sequence. <laughs> gears Which of is snore. Like, what's that? Gears of gears of snore. Oh, yeah, gears of snore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but so like there's I would say like between stealth and then uh combat that you control when you enter it. But also, uh, so in the past, you could tag enemies, but it didn't do anything. It was only good if you're playing with another real person. But now when you tag enemies, your AI will target them, as will Jack, your little robot buddy, uh, which is which is cool. So I would say there's just a slightly more control and gunplay that feels um, like it needs a little bit more uh, in, from you in terms of maintenance. It, it doesn't feel like you can just, you know, it doesn't feel quite as brainless as left trigger, right trigger, left trigger, right trigger. So... Um... I've got a question. Did I cut out? No, it was no. just Uh-oh. it was just an awkward. An I can awkward I can hear call. you, but you are frozen in a very great position <laughs> yeah, on the screen. Oh, you are! Wow, we can hear you, but you are. Yeah, no, that's 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 excellent. Sorry, that... I don't know if my audio cut out or my picture paused. Your picture, like, your picture no, no, paused. Your audio is good. There we go. There, there you are. are. There Sorry you. about that. Sorry about there that. You are. All right. So, Sorry. So, so I think you heard everything. We've got like five more minutes to talk about gears. If anybody has anything, yeah, I've just got. I've just got one question. Sure. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase it. So it's, it's safe to say that this, what, you know, while this isn't like a gears of war or I'm sorry, like a, like a God of war style reinvention for the series, it is, um, it is the step forward that the series needed moving forward from gears five to, to gear six. What, in, in what direction would you like to see the series go? Like, like, like what's the next step? It's hard to say what's next. I would say that what, while it works in Gears 5, I think that this game is too confident watching what Naughty Dog does and then iterating on that. And, and even if, even in the sections where I think that they're doing what Naughty Dog did and even doing a little bit better in terms of like open world design, um, I you still, think, still think... You, you think it's having a problem finding its own identity in some places? It's it's weird, right? Like I think that Gears touching into politics and like is, is really fucking good. Like I think it needs to do that. And I think that a game that is technically... Not, I mean, like, the community has largely been considered dude bro, and, like, half of that's fair, half of that's not fair. Um, but, like, a game like this needs to have politics that are actually smart, right? You're not going to get good good politics in a, in a dude bro shooter like like uh, Call of Duty. And so I, I want them to keep touching on, like, hey, there's some fucked up shit happening in the world, and guess what? It's happening in this game, too. And I think them having commentary is good. Uh, but in terms of design, I, I, I want them to keep leaning into skill-based combat um, and and. and more player control and and enemy encounters, but I need to see more world design that does not feel so reactionary and iterative of other people's design. I, I want a little bit more coalition identity. What they're doing with Jack is is really cool in terms of like, hey, here's how you can control the battlefield, but I want to see um, exploration done in a way that feels a little bit more fresh. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Zach, I just have one last real quick question. Sure. Um, You're playing on the Xbox One X, right? Yep. Yeah, so um, this game has a pretty ambitious upgrade for um, 
the yeah. Xbox One X, instead of just doing a resolution boost, which it has, it's also aiming to run at 60 FPS in all modes, not just the multiplayer mode. Um, yeah. How well does that hold up? 60 FPS feels very, very, very good in um, in like campaign missions that are like take place in that tighter spot. But when you're in that kind of semi-open world hub style, like you would see in like the Metro series, um, especially when you're on the skiff, which is like kind of like your car uh, for getting around, uh, you hit what you would used to hit in Halo too, which is like you kind of hit spots where like it doesn't even always feel like frame rate drop. It feels like, like a, a streaming stutter exactly. kind of thing. Exactly. Okay. Like it's, yeah. So, but but all, honestly, like if 60 FPS feels really good, and I'm kind of like I, I can't imagine playing it in 30 after playing it in 60. Um, yeah, it it feels really fucking good, and that's a that, huge step up from Gears 4, which uh, even on the X only ran at 30 FPS. That's really cool. Like, that's a really ambitious upgrade, and the fact that it seems like they hit it fairly well is really cool. So, big yeah. credit to the team for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unless anybody has any questions, I, like, I would wrap by saying that, like, Gears 5 uh, feels like it's a, a great, you know, Gears 4 felt safe. This feels like a confident step in the right direction. Uh, it feels like the best uh, AAA game Microsoft has put out Um maybe probably no like probably all gen really probably all gen the best game they've put out um it feels feels really really strong i'm super interested uh, in touching on those other modes once it goes live uh to, to everybody um but i i'm really interested in this with xbox game pass like it feels like there's not been a better time to jump in and, and taste gears 4 and if you bounce off the campaign because the first half is bad because it is uh like just jump to gears 5 um it, it's it's good and it's it's worth playing one last thing which is that uh SDGC will have more coverage of gears 5 once i get back from my honeymoon uh so he's we'll getting have... married zach a so, true gamer would bring his xbox on his honeymoon she offered to let me she offered to let me and i and like for a split second i was like this is a trap yeah i'm super Jack's yeah. gonna exchange vows, and he uh, when he puts the ring on on uh, his finger, he's gonna say, "This is the only red ring I need." Bad. <laughs> All right, bad. We're done. But we're but done. when I but anyway, when I get back, there'll be more coverage, including possible collaboration, pre-recorded content that we will release uh, on the all the usual channels with some of our friends, uh, like Sam. So looking oh, forward nice. to yeah. So and and also obviously, if any of y'all play it, like let's talk, and maybe we'll make something. Uh, but anyway, I need to run because I have to pack. But pack, um, take care. Zach, congratulations. Zach, thank we you. love you so much. Yeah, Thanks. Seth, thank you and congratulations. Have a good night. Thanks. And a good love weekend you. and a good honeymoon and a good wedding and all that <laughs> good shit. Guys, I'm stoked. I'm so excited for you. All right. Good night. Bye, Zach. Bye. Bye. All right, so guys, he's uh, getting married. Oh my he's, god, he's a big boy now, Reb. He's, he's a big boy. boy now. You know who else got married? Finn. Finn got married. Hey. I've been married. Okay, so, you know. You know <laughs> so <laughs> many of us were at PAX, and I just have a quick question because there, do we want to talk about? I mean, I know we want to talk about games we saw at PAX. I want but how to much... hear about the Murder Hotel. Well, I was going to say, not just the Murder Hotel, but how much do we want to talk about, like, our experiences outside of being, like, you know, like the Murder Hotel. What kind of fun did we have? How is it being it. there? It. Yeah, fine. let's let's have a little us time before we, we get into the games. The hey, so what you're yeah. saying is it's time to give our PAX impressions? 
Yeah. I hate you. Sure. I hate you. God. Um, Rev, you are actually fun? no. Like that doesn't. <laughs> Not so, for this particular. Rev, you were there before any of us because you were there for Pax Dev, which was dear Jesus Christ. I was there for eight days. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So I was there. You know what? Games industry lets me be on this podcast because they they secretly hope that it'll promote our name to more people. So I'll do the, <laughs> I'll do the promo thing. I don't usually. Yeah. So GamesIndustry.biz is the site that I write for. If you somehow didn't know um they uh we were there uh pax is owned by reed reed also owns gamer network which we are under the umbrella of um so we're owned by both so uh, they're trying to do more stuff in the u.s they're trying to do more partnerships um we're very valuable to them for some reason i guess because we're the business site um and so we held um if you don't know pax west is uh friday through uh monday but before that uh there's pax dev which is tuesday and wednesday the previous week and that is a black box event. Um, it's just for game developers to show up and talk about game developer stuff. And I couldn't do, I can't, couldn't really do any coverage of it. I can't like talk about it because again, it's a black box. You're not supposed to share any of that. But the part that I'm not going to talk in detail about because like it's not like not in the realm that you care about. But uh, it, it was really cool. Um, it's the investment summit. It was the very first time we put it on. They've been doing it in the UK uh, where our company's based for years. Um, but it's basically a chance for a bunch of smaller developers to show up and meet big people like Nintendo and Xbox and Epic and all these people meet with them. Um, we kind of organize these meetings and try to pitch their games and get funding. So the first half of the morning was like talks um, from like Chris Charla and all these big industry people explaining, you know, here's what we're looking for to pitch. Here's how to get funded with this fund or whatever. Um, and the second half of the day was all these one-on-one meetings where all these like little developers showed up and it was just this really cool, like anxious energy where they're all like, oh, you know, I hope we can get our game funded. Um, and it, it, was, it was really cool. So that, that's what I was there for the first two days. I was working the investment summit. I was going to some other events. Um, but it was, it was really cool, like to kind of see that happening, like, like to know that the people in the, some of the people in the room with me were about ready to pitch projects that I'm not going to hear about for like two or three more years. And probably like the next big breakout indie might've been in that room and who knows, like it was was really cool. That's a Um, cool little peek behind the scenes. It really was Uh, a lot of cool people there, a lot of cool stuff getting done. So yeah, that, that's what I was there for early. Um, and I also, I stayed an extra day late to attend an event that I can't tell you about. I, I just wrote it down on my little list of games to talk about. And then I realized I can't actually talk about it yet. Right. God damn it. Also, <laughs> Reb, we got to meet in person. We did. I got to meet um, you four in person, which is absolutely fantastic. I've already met John, um, yeah. who, who's splendid the second time as well. Um, it was quite lovely. We went to Gay City and got ice go cream. I told you. So, so like, so like we're walking up the hill to go to Betsu Tenjin to eat ramen. And I told. I told uh, I told Derek I said, dude, there's a place up here that's like it's a it's like a gay bar that I passed or like a a gay store and it's just called Gay and uh, and I remember the name being Gay and Derek was like, well, f- f- fucking hell yeah, he's like, we need to take a picture by this and so we're walking up and we thought it said and for a minute he thought it said Gay Bar he was like he got all deflated he he was Derek was all sad he was like, oh that's just that's boring it's lame never mind and he was all sad. And then we saw that the name of the place was Gay City, and he immediately went from zero to ten in like fucking what two seconds. He was like, "Oh shit, we're back!" Like- I think we basically ended up in like the 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 queer and like the queer the queer neighborhood, and also like maybe partially like a BDSM kind of community. Oh yeah, um, and was it was like good. really delightful. It was really cool. <laughs> no, was, I, yeah, that was. Ian. What was that? Neighborhood all around. 
Yeah. No, it, no, it, no, it, no, it, it, it was a it, <laughs> Imran and Chad. Jesus. So we um, all genders, not both genders, all genders. We actually, we we actually got there. Uh, we got there around. Uh, was it, I got there first on Thursday? No, Finn got there first. Oh no, Finn! I keep forgetting Finn got Finn there. Finn and like I had a delicious breakfast without y'all. We had a yeah. delightful morning wandering the city, having delicious breakfast by the the marketplace mm-hmm. first starbucks like the basic bitch that i am real basic bitch was that so, caitlin <laughs> yelling yeah. that i was going for her so fit so fit and i were were walking to the hotel we were walking up fucking mount everest to our hotel uh, everywhere see, was mount everest yeah apparently see, seattle is built on the side of god's motorcycle ramp it's yeah. just <laughs> in your home <laughs> We were, we were, we were fucking walking. We were fucking walking up to this place, and we couldn't find it. And some lady came out of like we were right next to a hospital, and some lady comes out of the. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the murder hotel real quick. Some lady comes out of the out of like you know the uh, the entrance to surgery, and she says, "Oh, are you guys looking for the in Virginia Mason?" We said, "Yeah," and she says, "Well, you know, let me help you." So she says, "Follow me," and we followed her right back into the into the entrance for the surgery wing of the hospital. And Finn and I, Finn and I are like, "What the?" fuck is happening and uh we're like what the shit and uh and and so she's leading us down this hallway and justin there's literally like doctors and shit and there's scrubs walking around and finn is starting to get like visibly nervous he's like what is happening that's how all the stories of how you're kidnapped and your organs are sold yeah like yes this is your hotel room and uh enjoy die. your stay i just realized like it just occurred to me the ty- the name of the hotel is like the inn at virginia mason that's a real hospital ass name john like it, it is i thought virginia mason known. when i looked at it i thought virginia mason was maybe like I don't know, some kind of like either campus or neighborhood or something. I'm not familiar with Seattle. I did not realize that and Virginia Mason is literally a hospital. I did pick the, the I so picked the hospital. My mental hotel. picture of this place is oh, no, 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 so Justin. goddamn funny. No, Justin, we're walking down the hallway and there's like this delightful little cafe that actually has quite, the coffee is quite good. And right next to that is the emergency entrance to the hyperbaric heart chamber. And I awesome. was like, what the fuck? And so we get on the elevator. We could, we, Did you we sleep get in there? No, no. Well, I, 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 I probably should have. I would have. We would have slept. So no. Let me tell you a little bit about sleeping, Justin. We get, we get to the elevator. We go up to the hotel, and it's this rickety ass little hole in the wall. And uh, you know, we, you know, you know, we get our room key. No problem. Everything's fine, right? I'm like, okay, this is dated, but it's all right. We get to this elevator, and back me up here, everybody who was on this elevator. In the dumb waiter. Yeah, the fucking yeah. dumbwaiter. In this elevator, if you could fit five people who are extremely comfortable with each other in this elevator, um, like y'all were gonna yeah. rub junk in that elevator. Got, it was we tight. Got, we got we got real cozy in there. We were nip to nip. It was I could real tell you the fun. color of everyone's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm so, really glad that I didn't end up like you know that I didn't end up like bunking with you guys. Because you know perfectly well that you all would have tried to be the most obnoxious gentleman about it and let me have one of those <laughs> narrow-ass murder beds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It would have been just the most annoying thing in the world. There were world. two children-sized beds, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, no, they were not no. children size they were hobbit size Just, yeah. yeah they were yeah we've got yeah like no 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 seriously like 
I have, like, now that I think about it, that guy at the front desk should have said, if you're looking for accommodations, we got some nice orbit-sized rooms available. Like, yeah. it was, like, dude, we went up there, and the fucking beds, Justin, were about the size of my computer desk here, and I was like, how the fuck are we going to sleep? John, you have to understand, when this hotel was built, the average size of a human was about 5'3". <laughs> <laughs> years ago. Yes. There it, is it, got, it got to the point where if one of us did get our organs harvested, at least the hospital bed would be more comfortable. So, there. so like we we all get there, and 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 Jeff Jeff arrived next, and he walks into the hotel room and he sees these little ass beds. He just goes, he just he just goes, oh boy! Like he just starts <laughs> laughing his ass off. <laughs> How many people did we offer to stay with us? Because apparently Imran was almost in on that. Like, I don't know how Tom survived his stay with his oh, one night. Poor Tom. Poor Tom. Poor Tom. He, we didn't even give him a blanket or a pillow. I woke he up. He just laid down on the floor and went to sleep. <laughs> he had his hat propped up on the wall and just sleeping on his hat. <laughs> Fucking like, <laughs> and, man, I thought, so, okay. No, no, so no. I was, I was at East with everybody. I was not at West. And, like, at East, we had six of us crammed into, like, a two-person hotel room. Yeah, that, that, that worked because it had normal-sized beds. Yeah, and that worked. This sounds significantly no, so, more so Justin, Justin, so there's these, there's these pipes going. Oh, by the way, uh, the fucking toilet is the most advanced piece of tech in this place. Good. And, uh, and when you're looking... Deep old, I gotta tell y'all, like I gotta tell y'all... About my experience with this fucking toilet, okay? Yeah, there, go is, ahead, and then I want to describe the view. But about one moment of toilet humor, and I apologize. So here's the thing, I go in, I've, I have lugged my suitcase up like 10 blocks of 60 degree incline. I was dying. I needed to pee so bad, I go in, I go to the bathroom, I hit the flush button, and it flushes, and it's a very loud flush. Very loud, immediate, powerful, violent flushing. Uh, and I'm like, okay, cool, great. Shut the lid, go back, I'm gonna wash my hands. I finish washing my hands, I dry my hands off, realize that by this point, like 80, 90 seconds have passed. The toilet been flushed a while ago. And suddenly, the toilet decides now is the time to violently fill itself back up with water because it didn't do that the first time. So flush, wash hands, silence, drying hands, and suddenly just fucking like, ooh, just <laughs> loud sloshing in the toilet right. bowl. And I was like, this sounds like I washed my hands and then had a violent toilet episode yes, and I'm about to walk back out like. there without washing my hands a second time. <laughs> no, 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 see, I, I didn't know that was coming. I was so, very like, self-aware. I used the bathroom and I was brushed. I flushed and I was brushing my teeth. And then like 30 seconds later, all of a sudden the toilet that, you know, the toilet explosion happened and I spit my toothpaste all over the sink and scared me so bad. I was like, like, it was, and then I look up in the window and you can see right into the fucking hotel and there's or right into the hospital, like hospital beds. And there's like nurses putting catheters into people. And I was like, where the fuck are we? It was, it was. Yeah. If you looked at our windows, you looked directly into the hospital. Uh, Tom Johnson saw somebody's wiener. It was. Yeah. No, some guy just pulled this fucking hospital guy off and it's just like full, full, you know, full dick and balls. Like and Tom, Tom was like, that was the moment he, he was like, I'm ready to go home. John's luggage got soaked. Now. Hold on, is that legal? Like that seems like it violates some sort of like medical profession. <laughs> like... Hey, the, the hospital patients can draw the curtains. We could draw the curtains. Yeah. Uh, Finn's, Finn's got a question. Finn, 
No, it's not a question. I just, I know what's coming next and that's like the next big topic, but I need to discuss something that Derek and I encountered real quick, which was the ghost deodorant. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I haven't so, heard this yet. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, right. so, I, I haven't heard walk, this either. So things, in, yeah. And you go. we walk in and just out of nowhere, we just walk in the room. No one's in the bathroom. No one's been in the bathroom all day. We're just dropping stuff off and all of a sudden, we just hear a loud crash. We walk into the bathroom and the de- all the deodorant just fell to the ground. And we put it back All up. the deodorant? Well, there's only yeah. two. It's- <laughs> that go- that the deodorant goes- sticks had been flung goes- from the shelf, quite far from the shelf, about 30 seconds after he walked into the room, having been away from the room all day. Yo, I told I- this is a fucking That ghost knew you guys were going to a gaming convention and was- needed to remind you That's to have right. That's right. Well put, Justin. So the, Can I, I'm just the, gonna throw out here once more. I am real glad I didn't stay with y'all on the murder hotel. So, so the you know, so no, a lot like, of people tell us that we could we could we could go on about the murder hotel, but there's one more murder hotel topic. It it is of course the pipe and the leak. Uh, yeah. So so there's I'm, these. I'm sorry, John, do you mean the condensation? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, the condensation. So so we went to bed, right? We went to bed. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm ready for I'm ready for a big day of packs tomorrow. It's gonna be great. So we're gonna describe we're gonna... there are these exposed pipes running all through the yeah. room out of the 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 luggage closet, which is massive. I don't know the why they have a closet, closet area that big. You could three beds in the luggage closet. It yeah, didn't make any sense. it was it was bigger than the bathroom. But they come out of there. They come out into the main room along the ceiling and like twist and go into the bathroom and separate a couple places. They're all wrapped in beige duct tape. I didn't know duct tape came in beige. I mean, I knew it came in like every color, but why beige? This hot hospital bought all of it doesn't matter pipes wrapped in beige duct tape all the way through so um right and yeah and, and so like we woke up and then I, I i got up you know i took a shower i grabbed my clothes out of my luggage and they're fucking soaking wet and i was like what the fuck is this and i'm looking at my i'm, I'm looking at the rest of them and i'm like i'm thinking did you motherfuckers piss on my clothes like, 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 yes, that's the most obvious explanation. And, and, Derek, and but I, I didn't know what had happened. I was like, "Why are my fucking clothes decided wet?" He was finally going to get his revenge and piss. Yeah, right, well, I'm not housebroken. Look, look, yeah, look, look. I don't know what Finn is capable of. Okay, and uh, and and so like, I'm looking around. I'm like, "Why the fuck are my clothes wet?" And everybody's like, "Uh, what the hell?" And then I look up and I realize the fucking pipes were leaking right right it perfectly into my open luggage on the floor and i'm not talking a leak like it was like drip 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 it had fucked it, it had soaked all the way through my pants uh, it got a bunch of my shirts wet and we were like jesus christ and so derek was like holy shit i can actually see the water coming down and so we w- i went down to the lobby all pissed off and i was like yeah you've got a leak in our room and the girl says oh that's not a leak that's just condensation <laughs> i was like <laughs> she, she was like see with condensation i just stare at her but 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 no no but then she goes see with condensation i was like yeah i don't need a fucking science lesson okay with like i i know what i know what condensation is and i know how it works okay I'm that's dead. not condensation because there's no fucking air conditioning in the room so it's not condensation these pipes are coming out of the bathroom and it didn't start happening until we started showering and flushing the toilet so that's what it is so Okay, two conclusions from this. Either Derek no longer gets to choose the hotel. No, that's or, a given no matter what. <laughs> Derek 
always gets to choose the hotel. There's one very important important factor we need to actually mention, and that's why it didn't matter how bad the hotel was, because for once we could walk to and from the convention. Yeah, I mean, hey. I'm not going to lie, that that factor trumps a whole lot. Yeah, Uh, there was no, uh, two other little things. There's no air conditioning in the hotel. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting that there were condensation pipes when there was nothing for nothing cool to be condensed from. There was no air conditioning unit Um, and the room came with a box fan. You know, one of those white $20 Walmart fans was in the room for us when we got there, which is an interesting hotel amenity. Um, I don't know uh, why it's a non-AC city, JB, because um, it was so humid. I had the swampiest body the whole time I was there. It was not good. Yeah, I had level 10 swamp ass pretty much all weekend. It was bad. I don't know how there were any sex pests who were trying to use PAX as like a recruiting ground because nobody felt good. Nobody felt attractive or sexy at PAX. It was... No, no one does. I felt like somebody had just rubbed vegetable oil on me. It was not good. (laughs) So, so, so we do need... This is a video game podcast. Talk about video games. (laughs) As as much as I want to talk about the murder hotel all night. uh, We we covered it. We do, yeah, like, like... There's other things we could say, but we'll, we'll save that for later. Uh, but yeah, the murder hotel was a fucking experience. Um, so we, we do have a lot of PAX impressions to get through. And I actually want to start with Reb, if uh, Reb, if you don't mind, um, just uh, if you could talk a little bit about what you played, what you thought, and just your, you know, your general impressions. Do I have time for a couple games real fast? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, back at back at E3, there was a game announced uh, at the Xbox uh, showcase that everybody lost their shit and tweeted me about the second it was announced because everyone immediately knew it was a rev game. It's called Spirit Fair. It's by Thunder Lotus, same people who did Jotun. I finally got a chance to play it. Holy shit, guys. I cried. I was so happy. Um, so good. <laughs> it's just, it's so lovely. Like, um, it, it's exactly what it says on the tin. Like, it's exactly what you think it is. Uh, you play this this uh, young woman named Stella. I'm not really sure what the context surrounding it is, but for some reason you found yourself in charge of this boat um, that ferries these like animal spirits uh, into the next life. Uh, they get on the boat, you tend to them, care for them, become their friends, and then eventually you basically prepare them for their final journey and then you let them go. Um, and so it, it, it was a very, very quick, the demo was a very, very short snapshot of just a few of the things you can do in the game. Um, you were tending to this one very particular spirit um, you had to, uh, you you could fish uh, for one of the spirits, get them fish. You learned how to cook. You could cook them into nice meals. Uh, you learned how to garden uh, to create like a nice wholesome area for them to be in and like give them ingredients and food from the things that you grow. Um, you can get these building patterns and collect materials and then build them little houses on your ship. So they have places. This was the snake woman. You gave her a place to meditate. Um, you, and then you, we visited a little town that was full of all these interesting like creatures or whatever. And there's a little, a little bit of like really mild platforming where you bounce around and try to collect some things. Um, I got like a double jump ability while I was there, which makes me think there's going to be more platforming things later. Um, and then in the end, you just say goodbye. And it's it, it's lovely because you you navigate the ship and you can kind of set its destination to the next place you want to go. And while it's sailing there, um, you can sort of like do all these activities on the ship and talk to all the spirits. You can give them hugs. Um, you kind of figure out how they're feeling and what they need. And it was just, yeah, they did Imran. Thank you for stealing my thunder in the interview that I did before (laughs) PAX, before any of y'all did it. Um, yeah, the, the, the devs of Spirit Fair, um, the, the writing in it, a lot of the characters are based on people that they actually knew and who have 
passed on as well. And so it was just, it's a really meaningful game. And I, I, I loved, I loved it. It was one of my favorite things that I played at PAX and I, I cannot, I can't, I can't wait. Cause I wrote about it before they told it to you. Hush. Uh, Derek and I also saw a spirit fair. We got, we got to chat with, uh, with them, uh, Hot hot take. Keep an eye out on our channel tomorrow for that interview to go live. And the demo was co-op. Yeah. See the fact that the cat every time. So the main character, when you double jump, you like float down with your hat. Yeah. But the cat inflates up like a balloon and then glides down while making like a sound of like air slowly escaping from a balloon. And it's the most adorable thing in the world. And uh, you would literally just melt in front of the screen if you saw it. Yeah, yeah I felt very emotionally impacted by that demo, like, because yeah. I I'm like it, it's a, the whole game is is straight up about death, but it's not about death as like loss. It's about death as like the final chapter in a beautiful, long story, it's, like, you know, acceptance and it's and a celebration peace. of the entirety yeah. of life. Um, you know, and it's just, and there's this, you know, you do, you go to like the house that this character used to live in and you get like a thing that belonged to them and you're talking to them and you're making them comfortable and, and, and kind of learning about their life. And then you take them across the ocean. And then at the very end of the demo, like the, the, the giant, this massive, I mean, just like studio Ghibli esque owl like comes from the ocean that is supposed to be very like symbolic. I think of like the moment of passing the other side. It is very like death as a metaphor, but yeah, it's just this very romanticized um, view of it as, as like said, as the final chapter in a happy story, not as, you know, the loss of something good. And I I think that's beautiful. And it was single-handedly a reminder of everything I love about indie games um, is that, that, that bravery and that creativity to go after some, some really powerfully emotional areas so yeah. it means even more because the studio's previous games were such a tonal oh yeah from what they they are the studio that brought Yoten and sundered just two really high act like fighting but like games with a lot of traditional action and gameplay and like killing monsters and enemies and they they wanted to do something different and i think it's really cool that they've been able to pull it off this well that yeah. sounds that sounds really great. Uh, that sounds like something I'd like a lot. It sounds very Edith Finchy in a way. Yeah, um, you know what? Kind of a similar kind of emotional yeah. headspace. Well, hold on. Yeah, I want to I want to so. give the mic back to Reb. I don't want to I I don't want to bogart Reb's time. Reb, what else did you play? No, I just got I just got two more. I want to hit real fast. Um, another one that I played was Kine, which. I am going to have the hardest time explaining this game. Uh, it's by a single indie dev. Um, she has a really, really cool story where her her life and her path just kind of lined up in the most perfect way to get her game. It's gonna. I think it's a Google Stadia launch game. Um, I think that I think that's true. I'd have to go back and look at my notes. Um, I, I'm going to have a really hard time explaining this. Um, it's a game about robot musical instruments, um, but these personalities and their goal is to form a band, and it is a puzzle game. Um, so I want you to picture, um, picture like, like a grid laid out in front of you, like a, like a flat space that's divided into like squares, whatever, like a grid. Um, and your character is like this piano and the piano takes up one square and you can move. Um, and every time you move, you kind of like flip. So if you're like this and you flip and you're like this and then you, and you move that you move kind of along that way. Um, and then there'll be like obstacles in the way. So if there's like a block in front of you, you have to go around it. Okay. So that's like kind of the basic layout. Um, but then take that. And then there are other things. So like there's a trombone and the trombone like can 
slide like out and then and take up more spaces whenever it moves and then it pulls back together and that's how you move so you can't have big blocks in your way like you and, and you like flip like this so you can you can flip and then you can also slide in and out and that's how you get around the puzzles with the trombone and then there's like an accordion i think as well or no no uh sorry maybe that was the drum there's a trombone and a drum and a, and a piano and they all move in different ways and that's basically the premise of kind and so you're trying to like get from one end to the other of these like grid puzzles with like different heights and different other obstacles kind of in the way there'll be like gaps that you have to cross in different ways. And you basically have to sit there and kind of figure out what's the right combination of movements for these different like instruments and their different movement patterns. I know I'm having so much trouble explaining this. It's I want I need to see if there's like a trailer somewhere that helps envision yeah, it a little bit better. This seems like something very visual too. It is. It's also very audio too. Like it's these, yeah. it's these instruments trying to form a band. Here, here's a trailer. I'm gonna put it in chat real quick. Um, I hope it shows gameplay. I don't actually know if it does. Um, but it is. It's just like really. It's hard. Like like it was. It was making my brain. Okay, yeah, it shows it if you watch the trailer. Uh, but they're basically these cute little musical instruments who are trying to put a band together and it's super audio, like, like it's all this jazzy music and they make little sounds as they move around and they have like all this cutesy dialogue and they go through like their little romances and they have like, the, they, they talk as they move through these spaces. It's a challenging puzzle game. It's really, it's just, it's not like anything I've ever played before. And Red I was- finds the most wholesome games. Isn't oh. that interesting? Isn't that just the weirdest, most interesting game? That's what I love about that. You know, Reb. That's what I love about the huge indie packs, though, is mm. is, is that you, you know. And I was I was I was saying this to Jeff because he wanted to go hit up the the indie mega booth, and I was like, mm -hmm. please, absolutely do because the you know it's it's different from the big AAA guys. Like these guys want you to come. They want you to play their game. They are eager to talk to you about it. And there's so much more. Like don't get me wrong, I love the big AAA stuff, but there's so much passion and and ingenuity and creativity in the indie mega booth. And you're gonna find stuff there that that that'll just blow your mind with how creative people can get in games. I love it. Yeah, no, it was it was really fantastic. Check out that trailer if you get a chance. It does a better. It, it explains itself visually, but it is really hard to describe just because I don't know I don't know what else it possibly looks like. Um, but I the the dev's really cool. Gwen is fantastic, and I'm really excited to publish that interview. Um, the last one I wanted to mention is uh, Falcon Age, which is a VR game that is out I think this weekend. Um, and Echo, the developer, was actually on one of my panels, um, which was super awesome. We talked about Crunch. It was a really good panel. Um, but it is a, it's a VR game. It can also be played out of VR. Um, but it's a game where you're, you're in this sort of... Um, my, my understanding of the story is that you're in this sort of world where there's some sort of oppressive like regime or oppressive government or oppressive people who have come and taken over your lands. Um, and you are come from a, a long genealogy of, of falconers. And you you escape from this prison, and this baby falcon helps you, and the falcon like becomes your your partner, and so you're going you're going out and you're trying to stop these people. When you play it in VR, um, you can bring the controller up on the left up to your mouth and hit the trigger, and it'll whistle, and your bird will come to you and land on your arm, and you can pet it, and you can dress it up in hats and costumes, and then you can use it to fight. So you have like your own little melee weapon that you can use, kind of like a like a this like zappy whip thing that you can kind of hit things from a short distance um but then you can also use the bird you can you can control the bird and command it to like hunt for you you can bring down you can bring down like rabbits and things attack them and have them bring back meat and stuff and then you can craft them into food to feed the falcon you can have it attack like flying drones and things or attack enemies from afar um, but it's it's really fun it's really pretty uh it, it was a nice interesting use of vr 
that I have not seen in a while. I think I guess Finn just noted that it's already out on PSVR. I've not played it on PSVR, um, but it's coming out on I think the Epic Games Store here this weekend, and I'm gonna pick it up for Valve Index. Yeah, it, Finn. it's really cool how he. I remember when it was coming out, and he talked uh, at PAX East. He talked about how influenced so much of the game and because you play as this indigenous uh and you're trying to like fight back against this corporation that's come to your planet for its resources and i think it's agree with red that it's amazing game you cut out just a bit yeah you you cut out i kind of missed the end of that i'm sorry Uh, okay it's fine basically reb's right it's good (laughs) Yeah, it, lo- it looks really, really good. It was really fun to play. I'm excited for it. I, I am not, I'm trying to find more more VR games to get excited about now that I have a VR headset, and that's definitely one that I'm going to start playing. So, yeah. Those are the three main ones I played. I mean, I have a few others as well, but I want to make sure that we have time to get to everybody's stuff. So, if you have more time, I've got a whole long list. So, uh, I mean, I mean, I think we have plenty of time. Um, we can real, uh... real quick. My last shout out. I didn't actually play this at PAX, but I no, well, no, no. I did play it very, very briefly at PAX, not for very long. Um, and then I I've played it at GDC as well. Um, the new Goose Game trailer. If y'all have not gone and watched the new Goose Game trailer, it's the most wholesome, funny, fucking thing in the it's entire world. It is great. the best thing. Like go, go watch the Goose Game trailer if you need like like light in your life. Anyway, continue, please. So I, I want to. Uh, I, I just want to back up what back up what Reb said. This is the first time I've actually played Untitled Goose Game, and it went from oh this looks wholesome to fucking day one. I'm in. Like I I fucking I bought a Goose Game shirt and I bought the Goose Game socks, and and I'm I'm fucking all about Goose Game. This this shit is gonna be great. And I'm so glad they're sticking with that name. Um, I I, I want to move on to Jeff uh, next because Jeff. Uh, this is your first pack, so I am really interested in hearing about what you played and what you thought as a whole. Uh, yeah, this was my first convention of of any kind uh, ever, so it was uh, yeah, quite overwhelming. Um, it I didn't get to play as much as I wanted just because I spent so much time realizing like holy shit, like like just for trying to figure out how to manage my time effectively and get to hit up the games I wanted, um, but also hit, to hit up as many as possible. So I got a lot here. Um, obviously, I want to be respectful respectful of everyone's time. So uh, I'll start like Reb did. I'll just pick a few um, that I kind of want to touch on. And then if we have time at the end. Um, and I'll also, I'm sure, I'll just tweet about some of my impressions. You guys can find it on there as well. Um, so the first the first thing I saw was Final Fantasy VII, which we're going to get to a little bit later. Um, so I'll start with... Uh, so I saw a closed-doors demo of Kerbal Space Program 2. So yeah! for anyone- for anyone who's not familiar with Kerbal Space Program, uh, I just stumbled onto this in early access years ago. It was kind of my first big foray into streaming. I streamed it a lot. It basically is trial and error. It's, um, you know, it came from a studio called Squad. It was just a small little experimental game. You've got these little Kerbals, these little green guys, and you've got an assembly building. And all you do is you just build things. You build planes and rockets with parts. You've got hundreds of different parts. So you build a rocket, and you launch it, and it blows up. And you're like, oh, fuck, why did it blow up? (laughs) And you go back, and maybe you didn't uh, secure one of the rocket boosters properly. Or maybe you didn't have your staging set correctly. There wasn't a whole lot of tutorials. Uh, As the game progressed, it went from early access to a full release. Um, It it got a little bit better, but I I didn't dabble that much with career. It never really felt like it had clear direction, and I'm not sure how much of that was intent. Or how how much of that was just the the dev team just didn't have the time 
to make it really accessible. But regardless, it was a very rewarding game. The physics were very demanding. There was wind resistance. It was just an achievement to get your rocket into orbit. And then there was an achievement to dock. And then it was a huge achievement to actually get to the moon and land on the moon and come back. Like every step of your journey was just took so many hours of research and practice and figuring out all the mechanics of the game. Um, so, and, and getting beyond the moon to Mars and other systems and um, planets and system was just almost too daunting. So with the second game, they're really going bigger with everything. Like the first thing is mechanically, they want you to go, they want interstellar travel. They want you to be able to build bases on other planets. They're just, they're expanding the parts list, like everything bigger and better. But to facilitate that, the best thing they're doing is they're making it more accessible. Uh, they're huge focus on the UI, make everything more user-friendly. They want more people to get in and enjoy it without dumbing anything down. And I think that's really smart and um, also necessary because the game is very complex. There's a lot of, you need to know what retrograde and prograde is. And um, there's all sorts of orbital terms and stuff like that. So... Uh, they had like a 20-minute, um, they had a couple cinematic trailers in there, and then they had about probably at least 10 solid minutes of gameplay, super rough stuff, and they were just kind of talking over it and walking through all this. Um, but definitely anyone that has any interest in space or, uh, you know, creative games, like where you're building and assembling vehicles and stuff like that. Uh, or if you just like to blow shit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's tons of like hilarious moments they actually had in the demo. They had a funny little sizzle reel of, of all the kind of famous uh, YouTube and, and streams people have done of all the greatest disasters. Because what people love to do <laughs> is they like to just build the biggest fucking rocket they can. So it has like a hundred fuel tanks, a hundred boosters, the frame rates at like five FPS. And yeah, when they blow up, it's spectacular. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that, that one looks really promising. It's pretty far out. I think it looks super early, um, but I, I definitely recommend people checking out that game. Yeah, I, I saw the same stuff that you did, Jeff. Um, and mm -hmm. I think like, I, I definitely, because I'm familiar-ish with Kerbal Space Program. Like I, I, I've i never actually played it, but I've watched YouTube videos of other people playing it. And it always seemed, it was always interesting to like kind of see what they were doing, but it always seemed just so daunting to me. I was like, holy shit, I don't know fuck all about space or rockets or anything. <laughs> like I could never play this. And the way they described it definitely made it sound like it was something that, I could play maybe not in full certainly but like like the whole goal in the first game was to get to the the moon the moon or whatever um and now they're doing a thing where they're like adding a bunch more planets so the idea was it used to be a very hard thing to get to the moon I think um but now everybody who plays should be able to get to the moon sounds so weird to say um but not but there there's a whole bunch of other planets so the people who want more of a challenge will have other things to try to get to so I I like that I think that that's that's maybe a lot more accessible and nice Justin, looks like you have a question. No, I'm just drinking water. Sorry. Oh, I thought you had your hands. This is ready. being a good boy and staying hydrated. <laughs> Stay <laughs> that, hydrated, that is everybody. Very important. I'm Take real thirsty. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is super fucking important. Jeff, what else you got? Uh, so I tried Playdate. For anyone who doesn't remember, Playdate is the little tiny yellow handheld with a crank. It's the crank. Oh, yeah. that thing! I walked past yeah. that so many times. Yeah. So I tried it. Um, it was okay. They only had. They said there's gonna be. I think 12 or 20 games available. They only had one game that I saw that was on demo. Uh, it was, uh, and sorry, there, there was no, like some of the demos had people explaining stuff to you, but this, they just gave it to you and just let you pick it up. So maybe if some of this information is incorrect or, or wrong, I'm sorry. It was basically a game about going on a date 
uh, or on a series of dates. So like you start with your first date and every date starts the same. It's almost like a groundhog day type thing. Like you wake up in bed, your guy looks at the watch and runs out the door. And so the crank is your running control. So you like you crank forward and he runs forward and you crank backward and it cranks wow. back. But what is this? The speed of your crank is also the speed of the game. So like if you just fucking go to town on that crank, you're running like super, super fast and the game's just whizzing by you. But like you can crank it backwards in slow motion really slowly. So the weird thing about the game is like everything is set up like a normal date. But then as you start running forward, there's rockets flying at you. What? And I wasn't what? given any, they look like rockets and I wasn't given Are any- Are they metaphorical like, rockets? No, they just look like rockets flying at you. So like, as you crank it forward, your guy runs up and he'll kind of smell a flower. This is out of your control. Like he just does it. And then you run forward and there's a rocket coming at you. So then you have to like crank it back to avoid the rocket. And then as you crank it back, he bends back down to sniff the flower again and the rocket will fly over top of you. So you kind of have to like manage the stuff that's in your control with like the objects that it's throwing at you, I guess. So it's- What like is this weird This sounds game. fucking weird. It doesn't, it doesn't sound appealing. Yeah, I don't know. So that that's basically like, it. And like, like I want to try this thing, but I don't want to pay how much it costs. 150 bucks to try it, thing. yeah. It wasn't bad. It just like, yeah, it felt like something you might pick up for like 20 bucks at Walmart, but I, I don't I don't want to be disrespectful to people working super hard on it. And maybe this is just one bad game. The mechanic is certainly there for people to do some interesting things with it. Like a fishing game. You could probably do a cool fishing game with that, that little would be really cool. crank. Um, but yeah, so that was it. Like your first dates, it was over in like 20 seconds. And then as you go on, it's like second date, third date. And you kind of, the levels get further and more complicated and like... Yeah, at the end of each level, you, like, reach your girlfriend who's waiting there for you, I guess. I don't know. It was just a... Hey, honey! How were yeah. the rockets? <laughs> it was, you know... And it's... The thing is super small, which is, like, it's compact, but the screen's black and white. I, it didn't even look like there was a backlight on it. Or if there was, it was pretty dim. Um, I don't know. It just didn't... And the crank didn't feel that durable. It just... It didn't feel like a premium device, and the game didn't feel like a premium experience. So. And it's coming out soon, right, Jeff? Yeah, it's this year, I think. I don't know yeah. exactly when, but yeah, Tom Johnson was telling me that it's it's it was very small in his hands. Mm -hmm. So, like for someone like me with with as Zach put it, big old honking murder murder paws, like <laughs> I don't even <laughs> think I have the ability to play it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um. So real quick, just two more things I'll touch on quickly. Um. Skip over a couple things here. I did play Concrete Genie. Ooh. Um. Conquer Genie is from, is it Pixel Opus? Pixel Opus? Yeah, Pixel Opus. Yeah, so. yeah, that, yeah. That, that was in the PlayStation booth, right? Yeah, it was in the PlayStation booth. Uh, so Pixel Opus, they're, uh, I believe they were like almost like a student studio that Sony kind of took under their wing. They did a game called Entwined um, mm -hmm. a few years ago, which I actually really liked. It was pretty basic, but Conquer Genie, I am amazed that this is from the same team. Um, obviously, they've had some help from Sony and, and things like that. The game looks gorgeous. Uh, it's incredibly charming. Um, it runs very well. I, I found it, and this is what I struggled with with a lot of demos at PAX. I found it a little obtuse. I had trouble figuring out how to control certain things and what to do next. And I don't want to put too much of that on the game because I was clearly dropped in kind of not the beginning of it. And I just had a cheat sheet for the controls and a very nice eight-year-old woman walking me through the game very politely. <laughs> um, but basically... It just kind of starts in like, it looks like it's on a pier, kind of like an oceanside little uh, part of the town. And 
there's these kind of bully kids and you're just kind of running and trying to stay away from them. Um, and you bring this genie to life. You basically, it's all about painting. So you can paint the walls um, and you can choose all these different patterns and stuff to paint for it. it. Sometimes the genie will tell you he wants a specific thing and gives you like, they call it turbo paint or super paint. Um, so you get more paint. Again, I, I only had like 10 minutes with it and a lot of this wasn't explained. Um, but yeah, there's just dark portions of this and it seems pretty heavily narrative focused. Um, clearly there's a story about the kid that you're playing as and, um, you know, very obviously he's kind of like an outcast and doesn't belong and it's, uh, you know, going to have some important themes I can tell. But the core of the gameplay is you're kind of trying to bring light back and bring some life and color back to the dark dim corners uh, of this town and your genie kind of he can move along the walls so the areas that you paint is where the areas that the genie can go to and he kind of just helps you out and, and encourages you along but um it used like a motion control with the six axis uh like kind of the gyro that's how you controlled your paint pointer and i found that a little cumbersome um and it wasn't always clear where you had to go next or what you had to paint uh so i, I did really struggle with that but i don't want to hold it against the game too much again because uh, it was just hard to be thrown into the middle of it. Uh, I don't know if anyone had any questions about the game or. I don't. I don't. Sh I, I, Chicory I, I sounds actually... like a better painting game. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, genie. And then the last thing I have to mention, I don't want to talk about the game. Uh, I just really want to quick uh, talk about my demo experience with Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Breakpoint. Oh yeah, I was I, hoping you would touch on this. I played the closed beta for Breakpoint at home a month ago, and it was fine <laughs> on my PC, so I was expecting a very polished demo on a trade show. Uh, so I got there early. There was nobody else there, and the first thing the UB rep said to me was, uh, we're going to have to wait till more people file in because this game sucks to play by yourself. And I was like... It's <laughs> <laughs> a great sign. <laughs> yeah, Especially because the debut trailer for Breakpoint was all about being like a lone wolf behind enemy lines. So I was like, okay. So we waited for a few more people to get there. He took us over to set four of us up on a team. They mic'd us up so we could talk to each other. And we had a guide walking us through it. So we start up on a cliff and we spent like two minutes walking around trying to figure out how to get down this cliff without dying. And he's like, oh, you guys can just jump down there. It's fine. So all four of us jumped and fell 30 feet to our death and respawned <laughs> back up there. He's like, oh, well, that, that doesn't usually happen. Uh, so then we just we helped us struggle for another five minutes. We found this weird little hill that we could kind of shimmy down, but it didn't feel like that was the way we were meant to go. Because uh, our objective is like 700 meters away. So we got down, and then two Humvees spawned out of midair, just appeared, and started shooting at us. We killed all the enemies and hopped on the Humvees. And he's like, oh yeah, you can hop on those Humvees, you can man the turrets. But I don't recommend it because uh, there's trees everywhere, and you can't really drive them. They'll just crash into them. And someone's like, well, why do we have the Humvees? And so all of us were like, fuck it, we're going to drive them anyway. So I drove it two feet and it crashed into a barrier and it blew up and killed two of us. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then after that, there's about a few minutes of us just constantly dying because you're just being swarmed by enemies. And then we got into a building. Our mission was to extract a woman. And uh, <laughs> after about five minutes, uh, we had an objective marker originally. The objective marker disappeared. And the guide is like, uh, your objective marker's gone. Did one of you shoot someone? And one of my teammates is like, oh, we got up to the top floor and I shot some lady. 
And the guy's like, oh, I think you killed the objective. So <laughs> I can't really finish the mission. Um, I guess you guys can kind of clear out the base if you want. But like, you didn't have a good answer. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just fail the mission? Because <laughs> you couldn't do anything else. We couldn't quit. It wouldn't. Uh, so anyways, it was just. And then one guy left. And that was the end of the demo. Yeah, I just yeah, one guy just walked like, away. He was like, I'm done. Fuck this. Yeah, so it was just <laughs> bizarrely unpolished, unorganized. Just a weird. I'm sure the game will be fine, but yeah, that's that's it. I won't let someone else. It's talk just about it's a it's a weird choice to like go to a huge convention like PAX, and then your first person comes up and and and, and you say, "Well, let's wait for more people because this is not enjoyable if it's just the single game player." Is bad. <laughs> like whoa, <laughs> it's really much better to share in the misery than experience it alone. Is what it well, sounds I mean, like. It, it's always like there's always that caveat, right? When somebody's just like, oh. Yeah, this game's fun with friends. It's like literally everything's fun with friends. So, well, I don't know, man. Murder hotels aren't fun with friends, but really, because we've laughed about those stories, we we really did. Yeah, no, it was a good time. Uh, I'll go next, and we'll do Finn and then Derek. Um, uh, And I'll I'll be quick. I won't spend too much time on mine. Uh, So, uh, the the first game I played was Link's Awakening. Um, and I am fucking super high on that game. I'm so excited for Link's Awakening. It's so pure and joyful, and Link is just Chibi Link. Reb, I just want to fucking. He's so baby. Reb, I just want to protect him. Like I would die for him. Like I just. I just so like I played it and I got a little Chibi Link keychain that is now on my on my messenger bag. And I just uh, got a I just got a pin of a cello. I will I will send you a picture of my Chibi Link. I want uh, a picture keychain. of your Chibi Link keychain. I, so... I want Nintendo to give me a Chibi Link keychain. It is so good, and like as somebody who loved Link's Awakening mm-hmm. times, like it is a perfect recreation of that game. Just in, the, I mean, the the visuals in this game. It's one of the best looking Switch games in my opinion, just because of the art style. It's really good, and, and it it is just gorgeous. I did notice some hitching in places um where the frame rate would, would would drop a little bit uh mostly uh when you know walking around something new happens or like an ad like you know but uh, i heard that there was a uh, a behind the doors closed demo where that issue was fixed That's yeah i didn't notice anything like that in mine yeah so my, mine was mine was closed doors um i i think that's probably the same one um yeah. yeah i i did the only thing i didn't like about it had nothing to do with the game it was that they they dumped me into the third dungeon and i hadn't played the game before oh so I you just, had no context for what was happening. i had no context for anything and the the guy was just like walking me through everything and i'm like no no i i, I what i wanted was like 30 minutes to sit there and play in this demo i mean it was behind closed doors like there was no there shouldn't have been a time limit and there wasn't like a line like there were plenty of demo stations but he kept like trying to hurry me along and then i got to a point and he's like okay well that that was 15 minutes you should probably move on and i'm like but i'm not done with this yeah. demo there's more content that other people are seeing because they got here faster that i'm not seeing let me keep playing and i was just i was very frustrated <laughs> by that but it was it, it was very very darling and i i love i love link to the past i love link between worlds i love the top i love phantom hourglass and the top down uh zelda games yeah it's it's Good. I'm a huge 2D Zelda fan, and so mm-hmm. this is this is a day one. Uh, I also saw the Switch Lite in person for the first time, and good God, that thing is beautiful. Uh, that oh, is yeah. a, that that is a good looking piece of tech. It's a and, cutie. Um, 
it is gorgeous. It's probably the most beautiful handheld I've ever seen. Like, especially the turquoise one, which is the one mm-hmm. I have coming. It's a nice color. Uh, um, and the smaller does it, screen. Does it look better in person? Because, like, oh, oh, dude, yeah. it makes you fucking gorgeous. Because yeah, all like, the pictures I've seen make it look almost like 2DS kind of cheaper. Oh, no. No. It looks amazing in person. Yeah. Okay, because it does not look like it's. No, dude, like, I can't understate just how good this thing looks in person. And the smaller screen makes everything look crisper uh, because, you you know, you know, you know, all the, you know, the pixels are all condensed. So even at a lower, even at a lower, uh, you know, you know, visual accuracy, like it's just, it's just a gorgeous system, man. Um, What else did I play? Uh, Well, obviously, we'll talk about Final Fantasy VII later. Uh, I also played, um, I played Predator, uh, which is one of the fugliest looking games i have ever played in my life uh from the developers of friday the 13th um not much to say on that one i i I played as the predator and like you've got like the predator's vision during the whole thing and and it's not fun it's not intuitive it's hard to make things out uh and it's it's just not like i i didn't enjoy it at all um i had I, i i had heard good things about it and so i wanted to try it and i came away very unimpressed uh i also played the trials of mana remake and this is an interesting one. So I played it on PS4 and I played it on Switch. On PS4, it is gorgeous. It's crisp. It runs. It's a a very buttery, solid 60 frames a second. Buttery. Uh, what, what what was that, Reb? Buttery. Buttery. It, Reb, Reb, that's it was buttery. This this game played very buttery. Buttery. Um, then I immediately played it on the Switch and it was not great um it was uh it, finn i know what you're gonna say apparently like finn says that they brought a new build out i'm just i'm, I'm giving my impression of the build i played and and the build i played was not great it looked like it was about 480p it was running at about 20 frames a second uh the, the, the textures were just flat uh there was no depth to anything uh there was like there was like choppy movement from npc like it was just a it was a mess it was a fucking mess um and uh hopefully like i i if they brought a new build out i don't know i don't know why you wouldn't just open with that but from what i played on switch it was kind of a disaster um uh see like the problem this is like i was working i was running the hope booth so i didn't have as much time to play uh games as i would have wanted um but uh so yeah i'll, I'll go ahead because you know obviously the other game is final fantasy 7 but i will uh, we'll have a, a roundtable discussion on that uh finn why don't you go ahead that's all you had to talk about? Oh no, Finn, you're still cutting out, man. Hey, I don't know. Very frustrating. Am I still cutting out? I'd be uh, good right go now. Go ahead, give it a shot. Yeah. Stop me when I do, and I'll just try and start over. I'm going to start with a couple games that I played, and then I'm going to end on some games that Derek and I both played, so that will dovetail nicely into his turn. I played a lot of co-op games together. Yeah. Of us doing interviews. First, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with what I think might be my biggest surprise of PAX, in that upon some game I've never heard of before, and it ends up just like stealing my heart. This time the game was a game called Foregone. Now immediately you see this game and here's the thing it wasn't in the indie mega booth it wasn't on the sixth floor with all the rest of the indies and it wasn't in the indie mini booth it was in that weird collection of indie games that was right next to the borderlands 3 booth 
it was a very weirdly put. I stumbled upon it because I, I looked and it immediately looked like Dead Cells. Dead Cells is a huge success. It makes sense that some games are going to try and follow suit. But like visually, just think Dead Cells. Action, RPG, very Dead Cells-esque. But they, they said the most beautiful words I've ever heard. It is not a roguelike. Hard <laughs> through three sizes to, that bigger that day because my biggest problem <laughs> is the roguelike genre. It just doesn't do it for me very much, even though Dead Cells is amazing. So it's a story... It's got a tighter story because it actually has progression. The map doesn't change every time you die. You get progressively stronger. Um, all right, I'm going to do what they say, and I'm going to try and add my voice sensitivity. Try this. I don't know. Maybe this helps. I'm just going to keep talking. Anyway, so Foregone, it controlled so beautifully. It was so uh, responsive. It, it, it's, it's, it's more of a sci-fi bend than a fantasy bend of Dead Cells. Basically, if you really like Dead Cells, but you wish there was an actual like story to it and it wasn't a roguelike, you should check out Foregone, because that game really surprised me. Um, outside of that, uh, I want to give oh, a shout-out to Cat. Oh, man. Yeah, Finn, you're completely cutting out now. That's yeah, weird. I heard weird. him the whole way through there. So, Sorry, buddy. Can Chad, wait, hold on. Can Chad hear me? That's really what matters. They can, because I could hear you through that yeah, whole bit there. Yeah, I can there. hear you through all that. You're, you're cutting off a little bit at the beginning and the end, but I got the meat of... Yeah, yeah all that matters. Chad hears Finn fine, so Chad just keep going. Can hear me, so I'm just going to keep going. Okay, yeah. Yeah, keep going. going with it, Finn. Go! Shout out to Cat Lady by... Uh, by look at Derek. Uh, by um, Rose City Games, the people f that made The World Next Door. It, it Ironically, it is a roguelike. Uh, think... Enter the Gungeon, but replace everything about bullets with cats. And that's the game. It is a twin stick shooter uh, with cats as your weapons. Magical cats. Uh, you've got a cat that is your shotgun, but instead of bullets, it shoots out cat kisses. And you have a cat that's in a box because it's shy. And every now and then it just like reaches its paw and strikes somebody. It is adorable. It has an amazing soundtrack. Uh, and it was just charming AF. Uh, moving on from Cat Lady, I'm just going down my list. Um, oh, here's one that was also hidden, but I think if you're a fan of like Earthbound or maybe Super Mario RPG or anything of that nature, just 2D RPGs with a unique battle system, um, Death Bulge Battle of the Bands was a shocking delight. It has a really unique art style. Um, the soundtrack was awesome. It has really fun visuals and comedy. Like th there was just charm to it. There was a lot of humor in the dialogue. Every the uh, the first area of the demo is this forest of muscle trees, and all the enemies. Muscle trees. Like, yes, exactly. It's your homeland, John. Uh, and one <laughs> of the one of the enemies is a snake that's just a flexing arm called a python. You mean and like. Like that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it attacks by flexing itself and hitting you. And there's a, it's just, it's a funny ass game. I don't know. It was it, the game, the battle system was a really unique take on turn based uh, stuff. Death, check out the trailer. It, it's, it's one of those games that you just need to see. Um, I'm going to do one more before I s spill into the games we, I played with Derek. Because I could just go on. I played a ton of games. I will say that uh, Trials of Mana on Switch with the new build, I didn't see any stuttering. 
The graphics looked pretty darn good to me, and I everything felt nice and fluid. Um, and then here we go, Infernax. This not only wins one of my favorite games of the show, but definitely wins Booth of the Show. Because it's a game yeah. that the elevator pitch was so perfect. It was like, so two of the most divisive franchise uh, games and long-standing franchises is Zelda 2 and Castlevania 2. What if they were good? That was, that was basically their pitch. So they wanted to take these two games that they love that most people are very split on and just kind of make them make a game that honored them and did it right. So the game is 8-bit, like Shovel Knight style, but like less so. That's super cool. And it it's it's Zelda 2 meets Castlevania 2, uh, but with like RPG more RPG elements. There's quests, there's the night day system for Castlevania 2, but that like plays into the story. I've never um, seen the game, but I can like picture it in my mind just from you describing. I'm gonna type it in because oh my goodness, it's it's really it was really good. But again, so much of it was influenced by the booth. They had done it up like your grandma's uh living room from the 80s, just an old like gross <laughs> couch, an old rocker. They had built a uh, a shell around the TV to make it look like an old wooden CRTV, and they were handing out Capri Suns and Goldfish crackers to everyone that. Played Whoa! The game. Why didn't I? I, I <laughs> didn't know about this. I wanted fucking. I you. I could have gotten Goldfish crackers and a Capri and Pop Tarts. John, John, you can go to the store and buy them. Yeah, right but up. I wanted right them to pass for energy. <laughs> You could have gotten a free Red Bull if you walked outside the front of the convention center. I mean, it's the same, same thing, right? Dev team that made just shapes and beats that rhythm action game, but it's a it, it was it was a surprise. It had a really good action system, uh, a lot of gore. It, it, like the the death of these like monsters is just really over the top, and it was just a delight. So, Derek, is it time to talk yeah. about the? It's time to talk about the beat em ups. I'm going to start with the one we liked, but I'm going to end on the one we loved. Yeah. Rage 4. This is a revival that does the core franchise right. Like, this is made by a different, it's made by three teams together. Like a true successor to Streets of Rage 4. So pretty. Think of it. You're you're doing the cutting a little that, bit. That was yeah, I'm, I'm losing you. You were fine all the way up till then. Maybe yeah, just go push to talk for the rest of the show, like if that helps, because it's gotta be it's gotta be Twitch's voice detection thing. Um, but yeah, Streets of Rage Four, we played it. Uh, it was great. It is. Um, I mean, like I like the Streets of Rage games, but like Streets of Rage Four was good y'all it was a really good time it played extremely well there's just the right amount of depth to combat um yeah i hate discord too one of my favorite things um about playing streets of rage 4 because we had um a dev there with us the whole time so we could play and then do our interview um which our interview is live on youtube um but there's a point where, you know, in these kinds of games, a lot of times weapons and, and items drop and you can pick them up and hit people with them uh, or throw them. So I picked up this like Najinata and I, I threw it at a dude across the screen and it hit him and it bounced up into the air and I ran up and I caught it out of the air again. And the developer was like, wow, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's expecting for it to like hit the ground and then pick it back. But I was just kept throwing it and, and catching it back out of the air. So I was just... I was just Mjolnir-ing with this Najanata, just constantly throwing it at people, catching it out of the air. Um, Finn and I beat the shit out of each other uh, as friends. It was a great time. 
You know the um, thing about about Streets of Rage Four, Derek, is that like in pictures, I hated the way it looks, but apparently in motion, it looks so gorgeous. good in motion. See, the thing is, in 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 and Finn, I don't know if if you agree with me, but like I think if you just take a screenshot, it kind of looks like those really ugly like Capcom eight. Like remember that when Capcom did the HD redraw of like Street Fighter Two, and it looked really ugly because it was these really detailed pictures moving in like super limited frames of animation but like this game moves so smoothly that it it works with that kind of weird posterized pseudo 3d art style it's in push to talk is this better yeah it's working so perfectly. Far, keep going it's kind of like uh justin's take on legend of zelda the stills of streets of rage 4 don't look great anything special seen in motion that's when it really gets you yeah that's what i've heard from multiple people i didn't have a chance to stop by the booth but but man and I, this is a sentiment i've pretty much everybody who's played it yeah um but yeah so street Rage 4 was 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 good it was really good i was very happy with it um there was another beat-em-up there was a a uh not quite a king but a queen of beat-em-ups on the floor so uh, had one of the River City Girls, baby. By I, I downloaded this game. Oh, it's so good, John. It also has the best intro song. Derek was like, let's jump into the demo. I'm like, not till we finish hearing this fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh my God, everything about River City Girls is so good. The the pixel art aesthetic and the it like kind of like anime manga style, like art style, the manga panel, like cut scenes are great. Sense of humor, great. Writing, great. Music, fantastic i want this soundtrack um this acting was really fucking strong too like story that much more like enjoyable yeah voice acting killed um and then like it was just a lot of fun to play and to co-op and like if you kind of coordinated with your partner you could just juggle the shit out of enemies um you know and just knock them around stop then you'd be over there just like you know stomping on the guy together and uh you know if if you get uh, if one of your if one of you dies um then the other person like your ghost starts to fly up to heaven and the other person has to go over and like <laughs> stomp on your buddy and be like bitch wake up you know and every time you stomp the ghost comes a little further down um so you got to stomp on them repeatedly to bring them back to life so that they can keep helping um but that it's uh, like today isn't it yeah yeah it's it out came right out today now. So, um, it, yeah, as Jeff puts in chat, like it's it's not going to be for everybody because it does lean very hard on, you know, like a lot of very like super stylized, punky kind of like very anime and manga inspired like tone and aesthetic. And if that's not your thing, if being two delinquent punk high school girls beating up a bunch of other high schoolers and like fighting the Boy, like. Yeah, fighting the cheerleader squad and, uh, you know, a bunch of dudes with big wobbly pompadours is like, it's a very silly game, but I love it. Depth to the combat, like, and we only played the opening level where we're level one, but there's every time you level up, you gain more skills, you gain more combo abilities. There's the ability to, if you screen, you can recruit them and then call them in as basically like a summon attack. It's, it was, and also shout out to the uh, double dragon cameos that are apparently in the game. Yeah, a Bobo yeah, no, was I, on the TV. Like, it was know, great. You know who voices them? Aaron and Dan from Game Grumps, apparently. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Eagle Raptor voices one, and then the dude from uh, Ninja Sex Party voices yeah. the other. And they remodeled them to look like both of them, too. It's phenomenal. 
Danny Sexbang is my spirit animal. That's but wild. that is another subject. Anyway, but but yeah, oh, it's it's it was good. River City Girls was so Prozidi's in fantastic. It's it's so good. It's so funny. It's very silly. I think um, you know, it's it's not necessarily going to be for everybody, but like there's there's a good chunk of the gaming population that I think this game is going to target very very hard. Um, and before I pass it on to Derek fully, I just want to say like I really like the story of how this game came to be because normally Japanese developers are very protective of their IP to share. But when WayForward approached him with this concept, Arc System Works was a hundred percent like it. We give you full creative control. We cannot wait to see what you do with this. And I just really like that story. It makes me happy because the, yeah. the result is amazing. Because I thought it was a a an homage to River City Ransom, but it turns out it is literally a direct sequel to River City Ransom. And like the the two boyfriends you've got to go save are the two playable characters from River City Ransom. Yeah. Um, and I, I you know I love it. Like it's fun. It's great. Um, check chat. I posted it for you, buddy. Yeah. All right. So hey, uh, before we, we go on, um, I'm actually gonna drop. I've been feeling really unwell, and the meds are wearing off, and I'm okay. I'm, just, I'm flagging real fast. But, go ahead, um, go ahead, Reb. Keep going. Kick ass that Final Fantasy discussion. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah. Take night, care. Have a good night. Bye, Feel Reb. Better. I love you. All right. John so Final Fantasy again. So we're going to uh, yeah. It, what I mean, I mean, you know, she didn't play it, so you know, I mean, she, she you know, I, I don't blame her for not wanting to sit around. Yeah. Um, okay. but, uh, all right. Bye, Imran. Imran's leaving too. <laughs> um, so we'll move on got, to Derek. I got an, yeah. We'll I've move only on got to Derek the and then one we'll game. kick off the Final Fantasy seven talk. Yeah. I've only really got the one other game that I played that was, that is not Final Fantasy seven is not something I played like with Finn. Um, and that is Luigi's Mansion three. Oh, I, uh, I got, I got to get hands on with Luigi's Mansion three. And, um, I, so here's the thing. I loved the original Luigi's Mansion. It is, um, one of my favorite GameCube games, uh, which is crazy because it's the original, like the one you get with the system, right? Um, but I love Luigi's Mansion. Uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon uh, was was good. Like I liked it. I think there's some changes to the formula that I didn't like as much, and like I'll always prefer playing on like a, a, a console on a TV versus on a little handheld like the 3DS. But I liked it enough. Luigi's Mansion Three. I was looking forward to. I was not expecting to look forward to it this much. Um, but now that I've gotten hands on with it, like this is the Luigi's Mansion game. Um, there's a ton of different mechanics to work with between, you know, the strobe and Gooigi and like the plunger that you shoot. And I'm sure there will be a bunch of other power ups and abilities that you get later on. Um, exploring through the demo which went through like a couple different rooms with puzzles in each one and then a boss um you know the the puzzles in each room were like pseudo involved like there are actually puzzles in each room and the previous two luigi's mansion games did not always have that much in terms of like in-depth puzzles they had like room elements that you could interact with but not often things where if you messed with this thing it made another thing happen that you needed to happen so that you could get to this other third thing that made the way through open up um so each room was like a self-contained puzzle and i liked that um the the boss was was very fun and was not like super was the, easy was that the knight on horseback i saw yes okay. yes um he wasn't like super super easy you did have to actually kind of think through uh, what you're doing because 
basically he would like rev up and charge at you. He'd, he'd run around the arena a few times and like arrows would shoot at you and then he'd rev up and charge at you. And there's a very brief period of time where you've got to flash him with your strobe um, that actually stuns him. And then you've got to plunger his armor and then grab him and then slam him around. Um, but like it, it took some time to figure out like, oh no, I've really got, I'm seeing him stopped turning towards me, getting ready to come. I've got to turn aim at him, start charging up the strobe and then release it at that specific time, which is a fairly tight window. Um, oh, hi Twiggy. So it, it, it was good. It was a good, uh, demo. I'm very much looking forward to Luigi's Mansion 3 in a way I was not, uh, before PAX. So I am so fucking excited for that. Yeah, game, dude. it was I, good. Good times. All right. Okay, so now I, actually I, I take can I talk about one? I know I want to talk about one thing before we go into, you know, Final Fantasy seven will probably like cap the night out. Um, there is one big, big game that none of us were able to go hands on with, but we heard a ton about from a bunch of people, and that is uh, Square Enix's Avengers game. Um, oh, right, yeah. It was it was playable behind closed doors for, you know, the press. And look, like, y'all know me. I grew up on Marvel Karma Comics. I'm a Marvel stan. Like, I want this game to be good, but it's been looking pretty rough. Every person who's gone hands-on with it has come out saying, holy yeah. shit, this game is so much better than it looks. Um, apparently, the, the combat feels much weightier and and just feels better than it looks in the videos um they there's a a good chunk where you're in like kind of a semi-open world area and you actually have like objectives and missions to complete so it's not all scripted linear hallway segments like you saw in that um was it gdc right that they um anyway that that, that no, big yeah, long video uh gamescom it was gamescom was thank you yeah yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, so uh, that's very interesting. I'm very curious about putting my hands on it because everybody was was uh, was impressed by that game. Yeah, I heard nothing but universal praise yeah. for it. And that's yeah, coming it, from a lot of people who said it didn't look good before they put their hands on it. Yeah, because yeah, uh, like I've been I've been real worried about that game. I have seen nothing that has gotten me excited about it. And I'm a huge, uh, huge Marvel fan. I was talking to, um, I think it was Josh Silverman, because um, he was the one of the ones who got to play it, and he said, they know they fucked up. They know people aren't high on it. They know it didn't show well at E3. They know they have a messaging problem that nobody knows what the hell the game actually is. They're, he, assured, he was assured that they're working on all that communication, and they're trying to get marketing and the dev team kind of on the same page to, to come out with, like, to actually show people like how good the game is. So. Yeah. And like Tom Johnson actually got the, and I'm sure several other people did, but you know, Tom was with us most of the time. Tom explained the setup of the game. Cause that's another thing where we've been like, what's the difference between single player and multiplayer. So the single player is linear story, like episode one, episode two, episode three, episode four, you're given a character and it may be a linear mission, or it may be more of like a, a semi open area where you've got to complete like a set of uh, he kind of described it as like the different semi-open areas being kind of like how Metal Gear Solid Five you drop down in like a couple of maps where things are happening, mm -hmm. um, but um, and then the multiplayer is different. The multiplayer is where you have like the set of of crafted like multiplayer missions where you can pick you know from X set of characters and you know the four of you pick 
between these few characters to play as for like that mission. So there is a dedicated story mode that is like longer and more specifically handcrafted. And then there is like the open ended like combat missions that are multiplayer that kind of tie into the story, but are not a story mode in and of themselves. So one thing that I did think was kind of funny about that game is they actually today released a trailer for an alternate costume for Captain America that's in the game. Because <laughs> they because heard. Because every, everybody hates the default costume and for Cap really so much. The default costume is really bad. Yeah, Tom... they showed off like the Secret War costume today. And it looks real oh, good. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love the Secret War costume for Cap. Uh, Tom was saying that uh, that Captain America looks like a dude with a Blue Lives Matter sticker on the back of his car. Yeah, yeah. Like, he looks like somebody that plays a lot of. Uh, he looks like somebody that plays a lot of airsoft that decided yeah. to do some cosplaying. Yeah, he looks like he votes. Was the Tom the Tom <laughs> Johnson description? Um, but but yeah. So I just want to talk about like, it's a big big game that's coming up soon. And even though none of us got to put hands on with it, we learned a lot about the game at the show uh, from other journalists. And um, I think that's important because this is like one of the biggest games of next year. And the messaging on it is really mixed right now. And like, we have reason to be cautiously optimistic. We need to see more. We probably want to put hands on it, but like hope is not lost. All right. So, um, so uh, now the big boy, now, now let's talk about some, uh, some final fantasy seven and hands on time with it. And in the spirit of final fantasy, I've I tell you that I've got You're my, cast big squishy, <laughs> my big squishy cactar lad here. I got to tell you, look at this. He is so comfy and soft like i just want to i just i, I want to hold him forever like in what you I, got I, i've got it he's oh dude this thing this thing is so good go to the square enix store and get yourself uh, a chunky cactar because man this this lad is just comfortable so finn what uh, you got so final fantasies finn you got your hand up go ahead i i wanted to humbly request to start this section off uh I'm fine yeah, with that uh, yeah, go, go ahead. The only reason that I in this is a little more surprising coming into this, I don't think it's any surprise that I am fairly down on Final Fantasy VII overall. I think it's a uh, Final Fantasy game, but nowhere near the claims it to be. This demo going, holy fuck, I need this in my life. This is the truth. John, please take over. Go. <laughs> yeah, Finn, you're cutting out pretty bad. I, I heard. I heard the point of it. Yeah, in fact, I, I'm actually going to kick it over to Jeff. I want. I want Jeff to kick this off. Um. Okay, so I, I'll talk about the game, but I, we really need to get the story about the. So the they had security guards working. So the the Final Fantasy VII demo. I'll set it up for you. You go to a train station and you get your ticket and then they take you into a fake train station. It's got a bunch of video screens all around. It's got departure times for all the different trains. Uh, and it's got like a Shinra propaganda video that plays. It's like, you know, welcome to Shinra Power yeah. Company. And it has a beautiful, <laughs> uh, beautiful shot of the city. Uh, I don't, it looks in engine it, and I can't confirm if this is actually from or in the game, but if the, what we see, the glimpse of the city, is the scope of the explorable area, this is absolutely beyond what I expected. The streets are packed with people and cars moving around. 
Um, but anyway, so they bring you into the train station, uh, but the security guards they have working outside the demo uh, are dressed as Turks and fully in character. Um, and they they had a good time with Finn and Derek, which I'm sure they'll tell you about. But um, yeah, so Jesse comes on the screen. Uh, she kind of interrupts the Shinra video and gives you like a uh, breakdown of your mission, kind of walks you through the gameplay mechanics and stuff like that. And then they take you out and it's about a probably about a half hour demo. Um, it's the Scorpion machine boss fight that we've we've seen before. So it's nothing new, but to get hands on and feel it, uh, you know, I thought Final Fantasy 15 combat was fine, like it was fun, but a little toothless. It never really felt good to me. I didn't feel like my hits had a lot of impact. Everything in this game feels like it should. Like when you're juggling people in the air with Cloud's Buster Sword, it feels good. When you hold down square to just light them up with Barrett's gun and you get the little bit of rumble feedback and then he has like kind of a finisher where it just creates a bigger explosion. Yeah. You get that bigger rumble. It feels good. It just, oh man. And like the the boss fight, you know, they've added so many small mechanics. There's banter between Barrett and Cloud. I, I don't want to talk about all of it, but yeah, I'll let Derek or Finn chime in. It's the game is beyond what i expected and i i had high beyond what you expected oh yeah. brandon you're not fucking ready for this dude. no you're I, not I dude not. no I you're not. not like i said so, you gotta remember me and finn are in the same place like i for me final fantasy 7 is somewhere in like you know somewhere like a little bit below the exact bottom half mark um you know it's it's close enough to the middle i guess but like i i don't really care for final fantasy 7 that deeply the Final Fantasy VII Remake is currently my most anticipated game of next year. Um, I mean, Easily. I'm sure that there are games that will be announced and like Nintendo will have things because I'm a Nintendo stan. But like the FF7, like, holy, Easily. I don't care. Like, this is a fraction of a game. I don't like, like this is good. The fucking boss fight against the guard scorpion like Brandon. It, you know, in, in OG Final Fantasy VII, it's your standard, you know, JRPG fight in this. There's fucking tactics yeah. you have to take cover. I mean, like you, okay, like, so my reaction when they were showing the trailer thing at E3 was, he's climbing on the walls. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like, what they've done. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. So, I, I can't, like, I was fucking overwhelmed with just how fucking epic the first, and branded the fucking remix of of the boss music. Yeah, see, I, you guys have heard so much more of the music. That, like, that's what oh, I Oh, it's so, dude, like, yeah. when you're walking through the, you know, when you're walking through the, you know, reactor, and like you hear, it's like it's an orchestrated version of that classic, like really, really dour music. Yeah. Um. Just oh my god, dude, it's so fucking. Dude, I was flipping out the whole time. I couldn't stop smiling. Uh, Justin's got a question. Gets closer every month. So, um, do you guys kind of think that it seems like maybe the splitting it up into multiple games, like, might be a good approach because it allows some of the stuff that might have been smaller moments to get a whole lot more attention. I, um, I, because honestly, I don't, I don't know if they would have gone that hard on the fight with the Guardian Scorpion if it was just, you know. I, I think, I think they do a lot fight. more of the of the uh, of Jesse and the rest of Avalanche. I think they're going to expand a whole lot of mid. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like, the can nice... you hear me? Because I wanted to say yeah. just one thing. Uh, oh yeah, it really impressed me with how fluid changing characters was yes mm -hmm. it's instantaneous like it's just yeah. boop boop yep fantasy yeah. 15s or kingdom hearts 3's battle system right 
how can you build up an ATB charge by just mashing square for quick attacks? That's when the game. That's when everything changes in the game, like nominal, because you'll press X and then suddenly everything freezes. All of your tactical abilities pop up. You can switch between items, magic, or abilities. Become so tactical, switching between your characters, figuring out when to cast a spell, when to use an item, because every single thing still takes one whole charge. You can't just. And so you'll be Barrett, and you'll pick like his rain, his his uh, bullet rain ability, and then you'll immediately switch to Cloud and use his triple slash ability, and they'll two just go at it, and everything will explode. And then as you take damage, you'll build up your limit bar. It goes up. That's when. Final Fantasy. It was just so, so I, fucking, I fucking did the cross slash, and I almost shit my pants with how awesome it was. They're changing it because Braver is a regular ability. You can do that yeah. at any time with an ATB charge, but cross slash is a limit break. So I'm all I'm intrigued to see what other tweaks. Yeah, so, yeah Finn, Finn is cutting out real bad for me. I don't know about for you, Derek, but it, it on and off. We're I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll says, figure so that out. Since they moved Braver over to a regular ability. Yeah, yeah. So it's like see. what yeah, other what, what other abilities have they done with the normal ability limit break dynamic? Yeah. Well, it's it, it's really interesting, uh, Brandon. The way because like you know going into it, you know I was like, okay, so it'll be it'll be like some Final Fantasy 15 style combat, and I'm okay with that. But the, but like you actually have to. There is a huge emphasis on resource management when it comes to uh, to combat final fantasy 7 because sure. you can't use i so like all you can do when you enter battle <clears throat> is just your regular attack right just hit square regular attack you have to build up you have to do that to build up your atb bar and in the demo anyway I, you can fill up your atb bar twice and like using an item costs one half of your atb bar using a spell costs one half of your atb bar um so for so like so to do anything you've got to keep okay, well, like, there are some that use two yeah it, yeah yeah exactly yeah like i think the i think your limit breaks use both um okay. oh I, limit breaks do use both i didn't know I, I think so i can't i can't remember they, offhand yeah, i don't know your um, limit break you have a separate limit break meter that's yeah, what it is but but it uses, aside from your atv charges bar, and that right? builds up over a longer period of time and the only limit break i saw in there uh was cross slash but it looks yeah. fucking dope take damage well, yeah. there's so much weight behind his cross slash too. Like, like it's like Ooh, the it's, way the camera just kind of like freezes. For it's a like second. yeah, it like shakes and like it, you, yeah. you can feel it. Mm. Um, and and uh, by the way, Brandon, like it run, like it 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 needs some it needs some some TLC when it comes to like running because there sure. is some chugging there. I'm gonna be playing it on a regular ass PS4. Yeah. So like, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Like, I I'm confident they'll get it worked out um because it looked and jeff and derek and finn correct me if i'm wrong but it looked like it was trying to hit 60 frames a second most of the time um First and i would that because i never tell the difference it does it never yeah it so like the, it was... there's kind of two part the opening where clouds on the train the opening cinematic where he jumps off that was definitely running unlocked and hitting 60 at times the entire playable section i never felt it was running much higher than 30. Yeah, I think it's just that it runs very smoothly. It's got pretty good frame yeah. pacing, so it's 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 thirty, but it's a good smooth thirty. I don't think it was running sixty. I don't think it was running no. like high and kind of wavering. Uh, I think it was at a good stable thirty, which yeah, is yeah. better than running unlocked and jumping all over the place. But, to be yeah, honest, haven't Square's like past few games had like like Final Fantasy fifteen has a big frame pacing issue. It does. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Hearts three is uncapped. Uh, 
so it's kind of all over the place. So I, I did I did think it felt a little rough. I didn't. It wasn't like drops in combat or anything. I did feel panning the camera didn't feel right. Um, so there might have been a little bit of frame. It almost felt like uh, just I don't know if you know like Bloodborne or Destiny originally yeah, had an issue where panning the camera. Exactly what you mean. It's yeah, like it's it, like skippy a little bit. Yeah. It's it's not. It's it's the 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 sensitivity's weird and the motion yeah. blurring's weird. Finn, yeah, you have so a feedback. I, that more than than frame. Yeah. Okay, Finn, I love you, Finn. It's a pleasure to see all of you at PAX. Love everyone in chat. Saki bless. Saki bless. So, I, I, you know, somebody had mentioned the camera, and that's something I think we do need to touch. I think there's improvements that could be made to the camera, um, especially when you're like... complaint I've heard, yeah. Yeah, well, like, Jeff and Derek, I don't know if this was your experience, but whenever it got close, like, like whenever I was in a corner and it got close, the camera just went fucking apeshit on me. And I, I also feel that, and it, maybe this is just me, but I feel that the camera is too close to Cloud's back. And I'd appreciate the ability to, to zoom that out a little bit. Um, I, I, think, I, just, I think it's in too tight. I think it's too close yeah. to Cloud. Like Resident Evil 4 style. It's like, yeah, it? well, not quite that, not quite that close. But no, I mean, there was definitely more, there was more, there was more real estate given to Cloud uh, in, the, um, in, in the actual camera view that, that I was okay with. Um. I, I the only time it bothered me was the boss fight. I didn't find any situations where I was like up against the wall and the camera was freaking out. I did find during the boss fight, uh, I did is where I felt it was in too tight because like when he jumps up on the wall, I couldn't immediately tell where he was. Like yeah. I kind of had to pan around and I I felt like parts were out of frame that shouldn't have been out of frame. And just from an accessibility standpoint, yeah, like hopefully there's a slider, but. I'm thinking back to the number of games that have like a field of view slider like that, or like a, a I wouldn't count on it. I mean, it, but, it's, it's by yeah. no means a deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do want, did want to touch on Justin, you asked uh, about splitting the game up like this. Um, like is, is that to the benefit? Uh, I talked to the other guys about this when we were at PAX. Um, and one thing that took me aback was the added detail, like, you know, the original final fantasy seven, there's no emoting. From the faces right yeah yeah voices um there's just a shot where cloud's planting a bomb and they're teasing you know they've got a little feather falling beside him so you know they're they're teasing uh but he gets like a look on his face and even just this little like look of concern and panic like that that extra bit of emotion is really going to help sell the game and it kind of got me thinking too like all having this all set in Midgar, you're gonna blow everything up, spend more time with all these characters, and without spoiling anything for everyone, uh, you know, Biggs and Wedge and Jesse aren't in the game for an extended period of time. And actually, even though Final Fantasy VII's a super long game, a lot of parts of it are really rushed. I'm going through it on Switch, and I'm like, wow, this just fucking clips along. Like an hour later, you're in the next town. Yeah. Um, so I think having more time to breathe, and especially because Midgar is like five hours out of a 60 hour game for if it's your first playthrough it's a very small percentage but when i think back to the game half of my memories are from midgar it's a very memorable location and i think this is the right place to expand on and i think it's going to help you connect with the characters and help build up that story uh, well, a lot better yeah jeff, I, I, i'm sorry just real quick real quick justin um what they're saying jeff is that like this this midgar episode is supposed to be like the length of an actual jrpg on its own right yeah all yeah. the game all the whatever the parts are they're all supposed to be a full-length rpg so like i'm guessing that's, right. that's like 30 to 40 hours but yeah because i remember i was talking about this with a couple people and like 
we realized, you know, when we were talking about it, like, whenever the topic of Final Fantasy VII Remake came up, we realized we only had ever pictured Midgar. Like, and Midgar being fleshed out. So, like, I really don't have a problem with it being, with them giving it this much care. I'm really interested to see how the rest of the game goes. Speaking of fleshing things out, um, another thing, Brandon, that is super interesting that I picked up on right away was yeah. that was that there's a ton of expository banter between cloud and barrett while you're running around the mako reactor like they'll just yeah. like talk to each other and like complain at each other and the writing is really good it's really good um derek sounds like you have a similar opinion yeah oh i mean like um there's just there's just a lot of personality to uh i mean like i said the 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 interplay and the dialogue that that happens just walking around um i i liked i mean look like square is first in class when it comes to presentation and it's nice to see that applied to final fantasy 7 which is a game that sorely needs a presentation overhaul um i just like that demo was so good and the biggest thing for me was i've i've seen too many times where a game that especially like a square enix like final fantasy kingdom hearts whatever like kind of game looks like some shit you can't even imagine playing um and then when you get your hands on it it doesn't really feel as good as it looked in in those gameplay trailers like they're really good at at faking it is unfortunately the best way I have to say it. I mean, that, that was the entire story of Final Fantasy 15, like right up till the end. Right, right. I yeah. mean, like, and, and I liked Final Fantasy 15, but there's there's no denying that, like, yeah. getting no, like your hands trailer, on the, the reveal trailer where they say that versus 13 is now 15. Like, none of that is in the final game. Yeah. yeah. But even like watching gameplay trailers of the final game of Final Fantasy uh, 15, like once you play the game, you realize like it does not play as fluidly or feel as good as it looks in those trailers and it, it's still a good game but you know and, and that's what i think i was expecting out of the final fantasy 7 remake because i was like well this looks good but like you know i know what square can do and they can have they're really good at, at cutting good trailers with very pretty combat that um don't feel like that when you get in there um and it it played i mean beautifully like i want every final fantasy game that i care about remade in this engine i want this to be the core i want this to be the new atb gauge that was used for like four all the way up through nine right it has the potential to be the best combat in the entire series yes this um, needs to yeah. be the blueprint for combat and gameplay in every final fantasy game they make going forward and until like, they think of something better i say that as somebody who is a big fan of final fantasy 13's combat uh, uh, paradigm system i know that like you know opinions are divided on 13 i personally love it uh but I don't think anybody will deny that 13 nailed the combat. As of right now, it has the best combat in the series. I don't feel that way anymore. Um, if there, there is, there is a, not just an, it, like it's. I have never seen such a successful blend of action and tactics uh, in a, uh, you know, in an RPG like this. And oh, Steve, my man in chat, thank you for the sub, buddy. Um, I, I, I've never seen anything like it. And I am so like, we still don't know how summons are going to work. Oh um, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I mean, there's so much more that we don't know. Yeah. That that's the thing that really struck me is, um, you know, I know they showed us the ATB menu in the, all the gameplay demos and stuff, 
Um, but I, you know, they were very clearly showing that off, and I didn't expect it to be as big of a presence in combat. But the combat is basically 50-50 mashing square um, to do attacks, and half your time is basically spent in the menu. I was bringing up the menu probably every 10 or 15 seconds. Yeah, and... I really like the sound of, like, how they've managed to blend it as an action game, but keep elements of ATB in there. It sounds like a really, really good solution. Well, and, and and the other thing is to kind of like expand on what Jeff was saying, especially for Brandon, like in the boss fight against the Guardian, like if you try to hack your way through that, you're gonna die. Like, yeah. like you can't. Yeah. Like, there, there's no power your way through this. Yeah, you absolutely like have to use lightning. Yeah, and it's so oh man, the the stagger mechanic oh, is yeah. so good. So like you can as you attack the boss, like you build up like a stagger meter, and then he becomes staggered, basically like weakened. And yeah. then you could just fucking go to town on it, and that's when it feels really good. You go in a cloud, you've got two ATB charges, you select triple slash, then you quickly jump to Barrett, open the menu, like everything's still paused, you go and you select one of his, uh, like, big shot or one of his special abilities, or you go into his magic and select thunder, and then, like, you kind of exit out, and then both characters just unload on this boss, and the effects and the feedback, and it's it's so fucking satisfying. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah, it 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 is um tremendously good in every way. Like even if you ignore the ATB gauge and bar and actions, like there's a a competent it's a competent like basic but good action game. Yeah. That has character switching and also that ATB gauge with a bunch of extra abilities and mechanics locked behind it and it just works out super well. The boss design was good. The fact that you went from like beat him up and stagger him and just deal damage to at a certain point to activating the shield where you've got to get one character in behind and go after the one exposed weak spot to break the shields down to, okay, well now you're at the phase where you've got to, you know, every so often hide behind the debris to avoid the charged up, um, you know, super laser attack. Like it, it, the, the, the actual encounter design was very, very good. Uh, and, and apparently at TGS, Derek, we're going to get our first look at the Turks. Okay. So oh, I already got my first look at the Turks. <laughs> We're gonna get our first look at the at the in-game Turk. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm Derek, interested. You, you got to uh, tell that story now, Derek. You got to yeah. tell that story. So we're running up on on time here, but okay, I, I, we, we don't go. really have much else to say about the the short demo we got to play. But like, I got one I got funny story. With, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Well. Like, we're 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 at hour we're at hour three. We're about to start. So <laughs> I will. I I I do want to say one more thing. Okay. Uh, this is for Justin actually. Justin, I played Doom Eternal. Um, nice. You played gonna, it on Stadia, didn't you? I played you? it on Stadia. That's where it was. Weird. Um. So because I'm very excited about Doom Eternal, not so Doom much Eternal, the Stadia version. It's exactly what you want. It's exactly what you want. Good. Good. Um. It is fucking. It's it it is Doom 2016, but turned up like 100 degrees. Perfect. It is it like like the game open like it opens up with uh, with a Doom guy walking through like these this crowd of soldiers, and there's and dude he is just so rude to all of them. Good. It's, it's fucking like he's. he's I, I think I've seen the clip that you're talking so about. So like yeah. like like there's a scientist sitting at a desk and he's got a key card around his neck, and he goes. Uh, um, 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 and he grabs the key card and like drags, drags him his over, yeah. chair to the door and like scans the key card. And uh, yeah, it's it's fucking great. But rude, um, rude Doom guy is best. 
to uh to close out on final fantasy 7 remake um what what i'll say is i went in there not knowing what to expect and i came away more impressed than i could have possibly imagined like this was exactly brandon exactly what i wanted <laughs> and the whole time i was playing this like 50% of me was just in the moment loving it. And the other 50% was like, I can't fucking wait for Brandon to get his hands on this. <laughs> there will be dude, a demo before the end of this year. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be a yeah. demo and, and it'll, it'll probably be exactly what you guys just, played. it probably yeah. will. And Brandon, you are going to fucking play it over and over. <laughs> yeah, I will. It's, it's fucking, it's so fucking good. It's the, then that's really all there is to say. It's just fucking good. It's really fucking good. I mean, if Jeff good. says it was better than he could believe, I don't even... I don't even. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Jeff was the first person to play it at PAX. Yeah, that's super cool. He was in that first wave, yeah. He was the first one. I think he was the first person in the first wave to play it. Yeah, yeah. he said, like, the first person altogether. <laughs> yeah. They were uh, super protective of the demo stations. They wouldn't oh, let you take pictures yeah. of anything. Yeah. Which is like, crazy I was, that I was thinking of leaked footage got out. Yeah, I was taking a video of the show floor, like just walking around the whole floor with my phone above my head, and I got, I just tangent, like I walked past the FF7 booth, not even like pointed at it, and some guy just almost tackled me. It was like, hey, <laughs> which is which is off. which is kind of crazy considering they had a booth that was like designed to be a train station with people in they, character. Yeah, they said you could take pictures around. of like all that stuff around it, just not the monitors. But I also don't get it because it's like. It's just the demo, like the same section they've already showed, but I don't know. But yeah, it's weird. I don't know why they were so secretive, Jeff, because it plays like it plays fucking awesome. So Pro yeah. I mean, probably they don't want people complaining about, oh, the frame rate looked bad or, oh, there's this asset. Maybe. That's Off screen footage never looks good. Yeah. So, you know, or I mean, it I looks get too it. good. Like, yeah, if you do it right, it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, Derek, we, we got story time. Or are you just going to close us out? Yeah, here? let me let me give this one quick. I'll, I'll tell it quick. So uh, the way it worked is, you know, it's set up like the train station. That you got to get you get your ticket and then you get in line in the queue and you're waiting to actually get into the train station. And the the kind of like line keepers were these two ladies dressed as Turks. So they got the, the tuxedos and the the the, fi the fingerless leather gloves and all that. And um, they even had like, the zipped up like jackets. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But um they me and finn were together and um finn one of the two was just permanent scowl acting pissed off like really in, they're both really into this role and then the other one always had this kind of like real cocky real arrogant like you know i'm queen bitch of the of the universe and if you give me trouble i'll put you in a fucking cell and what are you gonna do about it um and finn kind of poked the bear a little bit and he was having fun. He was trying to get him to break character. And uh, they were they were clearly, yeah, they were not breaking character. And they were clearly having <laughs> fun, like, pushing back at him. And you got to think, we're, like, up against this wall. So, so, like, these two ladies are, like, basically have us pinned back against the wall as they're, uh -huh. like, in our faces, like, really doing the whole, like, the Turk routine and being very, like, 
and I learned things about myself and things that I'm into. Um, and, uh, you know, they were putting out some good Dom energy there. And I was just like, I'm like sweating and I'm staying dead silent. Finn keeps poking them, but they knew. They fucking knew. Because every now and again, one of them would turn to me and just be like, you know, and, and come in a little closer and push into my like personal space a bit more. And I'd like lean back into the wall and they'd like say something in a low voice. And like, I'd just be like, you know, but like, I, I don't know, man. It just turns out I have I have another thing, yet another thing on a long list of things. Yeah, but, it was um, it was it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and they were clearly having, and you know, they were clearly well, they were in a blast. Oh yeah, you know, but yeah, it was just it was funny, and I mean, like, I'm sure if I'd been like more like visibly like uncomfortable instead of like flustered it would have been a very different thing you know but like they could tell that this wasn't like a oh we're bothering him it was like a oh we're bothering oh, him this is the most fun a, we may have all day i posted a link to the to the a photo yeah. of them in the twitch chat and one of the first replies says i gotta give props to the lady on the left she interrogated me and another guy for 20 minutes straight for info about avalanche yeah it was yeah. Just yeah improv for that long with straight face i had yeah. a weird ex i had a weird experience like like i apparently so i was just standing in line and if you look at the link that jeff dropped um in the chat there the one on the right approached me and i guess finn had had pointed me out to her i found this out later but she comes up to me and like she starts hitting on me in like the most forceful like terrifying way and i was so confused about what was happening <laughs> like she walked up to me and she says she says you know what would she say she says i hear your security risk and she's like <laughs> she's like fucking four inches away from my face and i was like uh I, I was like i guess that depends on what you consider a risk and uh and oh, I, and and i just like it like it got to the point where like she um she kept getting close and she was like and she was like are you a security risk and i was like i don't know what do you think and she says i'm not sure yet yeah. and i was like i was like what the hell is going on and then she says your ticket give it to me and i was like okay so she gives me her and this is where i this is where shit got weird she gave she gave me her ticket or like i gave her like i i held it out right and uh and she like takes your finger and like licks it from top to bo from bottom to top and i was like oh don't do that at pax like that's oh you like, washed your hands jesus and she like took my ticket and like tossed it and, and she like, fucking tossed yeah. it and she go, and she goes go get it and i was like i'm telling you <laughs> big like, dominatrix energy out of these two she pulled like the combine with the can thing yeah i was like i wanted to be like i wanted to be like you get it but like i went yeah i got it because i was, I was like, yes I was like, you I did because <laughs> mommy told you to i was like a little bit afraid at this point but yeah. like dude like honestly like i'm I, as I was scared like, as i am turned on right now i wanted to be like i really hope you washed your hand before you did that because because it's like i don't like cops but i think i like cops now like <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. yeah i don't know man but anyway so that was that was uh, a big part of the the line it was hilarious and it helped make the like hour and a half long wait bearable um so yeah it was it was it got it was just so fucking funny um, it, it was, yeah it was it, like yeah and like they were oh now john's doing the fin like, yeah, people's God. badges off their necks and like throwing them and i was like what the hell what are you doing? Like yeah. it was, it was, it was fucking hilarious. They were having the time of their life, just letting oh, yeah. out big dominatrix energy too. on that like, whole I mean, line. I mean, 
Can you imagine that? Like your job description is like just go into a line and be fucking people all day. Yeah. Well, John's wife just joined the stream, so I think <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> the perfect time for us to close out. Yeah, she's uh. been probably she's probably been she's probably been sitting upstairs like waiting for me to come upstairs. She's been gone. She's been gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what we got. This has been a very long episode. Pax was huge. It was awesome. I'm tired. I did too much editing as soon as I got home. Um, I just want to get to sleep and then play Iceborne tomorrow. So. <laughs> That's where we're I'm actually at. we're 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 ending at the right time because dude, my fucking voice is yeah. gone. I've 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 been able to tough it out, but man, the fucking Pax Plague is really yeah. I'm like I'm like um, sweating my fucking ass off, and I just all day at work. My my yeah. like real, I just, I real talk headache. Real talk. No 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 morning show tomorrow. Like Reb and I are like dead. Oh John, dude, your no, voice yeah, is I'm fucked. Sick. I'm not doing yeah, it dude. Right now. Like yeah, no, no morning, morning show tomorrow. Um, it's just gonna be. <sighs> Just have, be good to yourselves, folks. It's it's it kicking his hard style out here, man. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys want to head to our YouTube channel, uh, we uh, uh, Derek and Finn uh, did a bunch of interviews. Um, we're posting a couple every day. Um, they're I actually think- all up technically already. Oh, okay. Um, I yeah, so. I, did, um, I just powered through all of them because I was like, look. Monster Hunter Ice World Iceborne comes out on Friday, and I'm not letting editing cut into that. So yeah, so uh, check those out. Um, they're really, really great interviews. Um, they're they're a lot of fun. They're not very they're not stale. Um, they they did them right on the show floor. They grinded those out. Uh, they did awesome work on those. So go go check some of those out. Um, and yeah, so. <laughs> if you want to just wrap up, what? I'll just wrap Mickey in the chat. John's oh, yeah. telling stories yeah. I have not heard about Dominatrix encounters. I promise they were paid actresses at PAX <laughs> that we Dominatrix. did not pay. <laughs> like, this is. Derek, Derek, John, you're Derek, in trouble. Did you not pay that? <laughs> Derek, Derek absolutely paid them. I, <laughs> Derek absolutely paid Look, them. I'm in a committed relationship, all right, but. I learned things. All right, can we wrap this motherfucker? Yeah, we wrap yeah. This, dude. I feel like shit. Y'all, take us home, Derek. Take yeah, us home. guys, thank you, thank you for showing up for this stupidly long episode. Uh, we'll catch you all next week. It's not always poetry, and we don't always agree, but we do always keep it real. So until next time, be good to each other. Bye, guys. <laughs>